What? PST. Oh. Everyone kept... Planescape's one I word. I wrote PST. Everyone kept talking about PT uh, when I was in the middle of playing Planescape Torment, and it was really confusing. That's fair. <laughs> I feel like most people who were around it during the... Like, when it came out, call it Torment. And I call it Planescape. Yeah, I call it Planescape. Because I want to go escape the flames. But I feel like the shorthand like of the era was actually... Well, because Planescape was... The, the the like general module. Well, yeah. what, that'd be like calling. I I've, I've forgotten all video games. It would be like calling Baldur's Gate. <laughs> like Dragons. calling Kotor or Star Wars. I played that Star Wars game. <laughs> well, he's called which one? The Star Wars <laughs> game, Star Wars Two. <laughs> I played Star Wars Two. What you? I played X Men Two. I probably probably do call that X Men Two. Uh, well, X Men Legends. Yeah, I'll call that X Men Two. Sure. No, X Men Two is a well, that's X Two. There's no such thing as X Men Two. It was called X Men Two in the UK. Oh, well, was it was really? marketed as X Men Two. I think they called it X Two colon X Men in the. It was no, It was X Two X Men United. Oh right. Because remember that every other uh, X Men story by law requires the X Men and the Brotherhood to work together. X Men Freedom Unite. <laughs> Welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 13. I'm your host, Matthew Marco, and with me is co-host Jackson Tyler. Hi there, video games. And if you've been paying any sort of attention, you'll be like, wait, isn't the next episode episode 10? Jackson, what happened? So you were wrong, uh, is what happens. I'm... Usually I, pretty... I would never admit that under pain of death, but actually, yes, this time <laughs> he, I admit... He came to me and was like, uh, I've got to tell you something, um, I've been wrong. And I'm like, whoa, this is a change. It's, not only was he wrong, I was right. Uh, we're just naming all the episodes, the, um, having one numbering scheme rather than having 17 different numbering schemes for whether we do a certain thing or not. Yeah, as we've, uh, I mean, gameography is when it is, but we've... Uh made plans that will increase our number of cool sogays, and we realized that our numbering system was way out of hand. It just, it's, uh, because it, we have a lot of different things to say different things, and that's fine, they can still be there, but we should just call the cast a thing. Yep, so this, this cast is under one feed, it's it's one show, so, the one true show. We should probably call it normal mapping now. Um, no, we're not going to do that, <laughs> we're still pretty ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, accurate. Uh, feeling a little weird about doing this. It's actually been like seven weeks since we recorded our last one of these. Oh, you're right. The uh, Quantic Dreamcast came. We recorded that weeks in advance because uh, we, we, we had played those games and we wanted to give ourselves a bunch of time for this month's game, which it we feels... didn't end up needing to do. No, it. I, look, okay, so little behind the uh, inside baseball, behind the curtain stuff. When we pick games, the first thing we and Jackson always do is go to how long to beat. To look and see how long the games we're going to play are. And Planescape Torment, the how long to beat said it was like 40 hours. It's not 40 hours long. Not even close. It's like 25, probably. Probably. 
But uh, since we overestimated and we thought, oh, it's going to be really hard to get into and maybe it'll be a slog, we, we booked like two months to play it. And then it turned out that the thing that took the uh, the longest was overcoming the sense of intimidation of the game that you're, we have built up in ourselves. You're spoiling next, uh, next segment, so stop oh. that. Oh, is that? I th- okay, sure. <laughs> what, do you t- what do you want? What do you I, want? I don't know. I'm just saying we've, I've got some host anxiety here going in. It's fine. Should we? What, what else do we need to do in this segment? Well, uh, let people know that uh, Kulsoke is going to come at you uh, every month for the next three months at least. Yeah. So look forward to that. Probably next week, I would say. Uh, Probably. Uh, so the week after this comes out, you can get a Kulsoke drop. We're going to announce a, a dumb other project because we don't play enough games. I mean, we play a lot of games. We play all the video games. There is now enough time for uh, how many video games we want to play. And uh, if that's not enough, uh, in the meantime, uh, we've got I've I've got a bunch of videos going up because I got my new computer that I talked about last podcast. He does uh, on both fronts. He has the videos and the computer, and the videos are great. You should go watch them. The computer makes the videos possible. <laughs> I've gotten <laughs> yeah. real fast at using Windows Movie Maker to fade in and fade out. <laughs> oh, you poor man. It's not. It's not that bad. Okay. Well, it still. takes some time, but I just let it sit and do its thing. I just wouldn't want to have it running so high intensity all the time. I like to protect my computer. I I feel like it's actually probably not that high intensity. I don't know. My the fans com- don't ever start spinning faster. They have not done that for anything I've thrown at this thing yet. Ne- neither's mine. To be fair, I get having a Mac Mini, which uh, burns whenever you do anything, has put oh. me real anxious. Uh, when it comes to computers and temperature. That's why I bought, like, liquid cooling things for this computer. Oh, yeah, you prepared. Yeah. You spent $70,000 and your computer arrived and it can run every video game at the same time. I did time. not spend that much. I spent the amount of four PS4s. How about that? Okay, well, I'm, I can't maths, so... That's fine. It was about $1,600. It was a lot of money. <laughs> but you, you, this is a future-proofing scheme. This is going to keep you covered for a while. Yeah, sure. Until PC development explodes in the next three years and I'm woefully underprepared. Yeah, I, I got the PC at the right time. Got mine late 2012. Still works. Still good. About yeah. two years, I'll upgrade. And you'll be fine. Yeah. Just enough time for everything to explode and kind of get stable again. Yep. Perfect. I'm fucked. It's true. And we use the power... Of this magnificent uh, computer to play Planescape Torment. I played Planescape Torment on my old computer because yeah, that was when I was using Ripley. It's not a good segue. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm not going to give you a cheap out. <laughs> Facts got to get in the way of my segues. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It sucks. I know. That's all right. It's not like I'm not going to use this computer to play old PC games after this. It's true. I mean, what's coming up? Who knows? Listen through an hour of Planescape to find out what's coming up next month. It's gonna be a roller coaster. I guess you could just read the show notes. I'm just gonna step on your dumb <laughs> joke. Sorry. You're just gonna completely not acknowledge it. Yep. And then I mean, I did acknowledge, you did acknowledge it, only it, to it, shoot in, it. Only, yeah, in a way that had just to put l- it down. Let me know. It was too sad to live. Probably was. We done. We can talk about Planescape now. I want to talk about Planescape. Okay, we'll talk about Planescape. Updated my journal.
this month's game club is Planescape Torment, a game that was on uh, my radar only because it was on everybody's best games of all time lists, and uh, we were like, let's play something ridiculous like an old PC RPG. And so we picked Planescape Torment, uh, developed by Black Isle, released in 1999 uh, by Interplay. It is based on the Planescape uh, setting of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. A um, little bit of background on that, just things I researched. Uh, Planescape was the effort in this era of Dungeons and Dragons to recreate a cosmology, like angels and demons and devils and stuff, uh, as like a more modernistic take after the oh, we can't have demons in D&D because parents' groups were, like, rioting and taking away kids' books and dice. I don't know. So Planescape was trying to make something a little less religiously uh, loaded and something a little more abstracted and developed specifically for the game, and that's what Planescape is. It's about a bunch of realms and doors and gates all centered around, like, this focal point. We, we, parents were upset, so we removed angels and demons and put in a faction that specifically advocates, uh, trying to work towards death. You know, D&D's always been subversive, it always will be, I guess. <laughs> uh, that's ridiculous. Then, Planescape Torment was, uh, built after games like, uh, Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2. Those are the ones I know. In the same Infinity Engine. Uh, and was built to be kind of a subversive version of those. Uh, it was meant to focus on the things most RPGs didn't, that is, the writing and the side quests and talking to folks instead of fighting things. Uh, given its more abstract uh, setting, it was trying to be... I feel like, uh, if I remember correctly, they were trying to make something more experimental and even avant-garde. I think that was in part of its pitch. <laughs> Yeah, the pitch didn't want to refer to it as fantasy, so they called it an avant-garde RPG. You know, I'm willing to uh, believe that. The uh, story takes place in the uh, city of Sigil, which is at the center of the Planescape universe. Uh, it's this city of uh, portals to various realms. It's ruled over by this, like, uh, clockwork knife lady called the Queen of Pain, who maintains order, but is... I assume she's, like, lawful neutral. I would guess. Probably. Yeah. I would assume so. Um, and just keeps the uh, the engines of the heavens spinning. Yep. Because the entire game is kind of this weird clockwork universe. Like, your day-night clock and your save, uh, or when you rest, like the... When you rest is a bunch of... Clockwork gears. gears. and clockwork, yeah. yeah. So, that is what that game setting is. You play as the nameless one, a character who wakes up with no memory but uh the realization that he cannot die uh and he goes on a quest to find out why that is and how he can rectify it because being immortal sucks yeah he's not in a good place at all so this was kind of our first this was my first computer rpg i guess i played dragon age but uh i don't even know if people would count that i'm sure pc types would not anymore yeah, I, I haven't you played some like old Fallout? No, I thought no, you had. I played a bunch of Fallout oh, Three, but that was it. Okay, yeah, and this is my first one as well. Um, I was really scared going into this; that it was going to be the, the most obtuse, unapproachable thing. And it isn't in any way. 
if you were not told how to spec your character at the beginning, it would be awful. It's That's true. maybe the only thing, though. Like, the secret of Planescape is you dump all of your points into the things that are normally garbage stats in a different game. Wisdom has no purpose in Dungeons & Dragons. Wisdom, intelligence, yeah, has... maybe some charisma. That's where you want to go in Planescape. Because the entire yeah. game is about talking to folks, and that will give you more options to talk to folks. And not like in most RPGs where you put a couple more points in those. No, don't put a single point in strength throughout the entire game. No, you don't need that. You don't need that at all. And preferably hack your save file. But, um... <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> when the game does focus on combat, which it does rarely, it's... Uh... It's pretty, Not very good. yeah, it's pretty rote. You kind of park your characters next to the enemy and you click on them and you wait for the enemy to explode before your characters explode. Yep. And you hope that happens. It usually does. I don't think this game is particularly hard. No, uh, but it, it can be a hassle because you can die a lot and it doesn't matter. You basically have to, it's a positioning game, making sure the right character dies. Yeah. Because if your character dies, you just recover at some checkpoint. If your other characters die, they drop all of their held items, which is really annoying. Yep. And you don't want that at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I spent a week psyching myself up into playing this and then found out, oh, this is just the Citadel Mass Effect game I always wanted. Now I spent a month and a half psyching myself into playing that and then found out the exact same thing <laughs> after you told me that about 20 times. Yeah. Um, we're gonna get a little ahead of ourselves, but this game's awesome. It's so good. It, it, it's it really spoiled good. me forever on these types of games, I feel. Uh, we now can't go and play all the other. Oh, I will. Um, I'll just be sad. But you'll be sad when this is a deliberate reaction to what those games weren't doing. Yep. Why aren't they all doing this? Why are there dungeons and dragons in this Dungeons and Dragons game? I was not aware these were uh, important components. Yeah. There's no orcs. There's no elves. There's no bows no, and no. arrows. There's nope. barely any swords. The, the, you have... Yeah, they barely do have swords. It's all about axes and maces and way more gross weapons Scalpels. than swords. Scalpels, yes. punch knives. It's uh, down to it's a hard and gritty game in that sense. So... It's not actually. Um... Mechanically, I guess there isn't a whole lot to say until we get into how it unfolds as it relates to the story. It is a isometric RPG. Being 1999, it, uh, it's all pre-rendered backgrounds and, uh, ridiculous CG sprites. Uh, but, I mean, it runs well. Get it on GOG if you're gonna get it. Uh, I highly recommend everybody play this one, even after you listen to us talk the hell out of it. Yep. Or just go and play it. Now and then come back? Sure. Because we're going to spoil it, and it's a fantastic game that holds up. I would recommend... Uh, I don't think I don't think you need a guide. I used a guide to make sure to do stuff. I don't think you need one. I just think you need to... Um, this is maybe a discussion for another podcast, but I've... The, the, I think it's the era I like, really got into RPGs in. I almost always like consult a guide, at least like every once in a while. When I play big games. Sure, but uh, I feel like the lot of... Especially when you get to, like, um, the wards. Mm -hmm. You have to do almost every single one of those side quests. Sure. 
but they don't seem like it. And a lot of the way the progression works is just talking to everyone and soaking everything up and then re- learning things. Yeah. And then doing the things that you... I learn. mean, at that it point, at that point the game died. has trained you. You click on every character that has a name and you listen to what they have to say. That is yes, your game you loop. all their things. Yeah, that's the game loop. And if you follow that loop, you are fine. Yeah. I don't think you need to use a guide in later parts and at like the combat parts. I just cheated because fuck the combat in this game. Yeah, there are ways. Uh, I ended up using a save hack to boost my stats during the later different. Because you could, I could have waited and ground out some levels, but I didn't want to do that because that's not fun. And I, I ended up just uh, hex editing to give me an, a QA item. Yeah, I, I, I your... highly recommend anybody just do that because watching Jackson's uh, doing that. <laughs> Uh, that seems like a way more fun game than my all my my nameless one has twenty in all his stats, but he still dies every once in a while. Yep, uh, and it increases his regen to like a thousand or something as well. Oh wow! Yeah, you, do that. But make the combat. The trivial. best part is Mort and Dacon can't carry these, so there's you still have some mechanical interesting stuff. Okay, got to make sure Mort doesn't go there. Got to put this, but it's still it's interesting in a way that is completely unintended. As you break the game. So those are our recommendations for play. I say consult a guide, especially early on when you, if you feel really intimidated, because it will gu- direct I, you around. When I, when I say don't consult a guide, I mean like, you're sure, they'll make it easier and more efficient. I mean like for big story things where there are big choice, there aren't going to be things that will screw you out of other That's things. That's not true. If, I mean there if are, you, but if they're you really fuck up the obvious. Skulls, they're re- you really fuck yeah, up. Yeah, but. Okay. The Pillar of Skulls bit, yes. But that's pretty... They tell you at the start of the, that conversation that what what's up. Sure. If I feel like if you fuck up the Pillar of Skulls bit, it's your own fault. I don't know if that's true. Because the game has taught you that asking every question is like a thing you should do. And if you do it in that area, you ruin... Like your party is half but, gone. But he, he says... If you ask a question, I'll take a. I'll have to. You have to pay a price. And I was like, okay, I'll ask the question I need to ask. Fair enough. It's it's a bit. It's the most obtuse bit of the game. That bit. Yeah. But I. You don't need like. There's no ridiculously uh, abstract requirements to get the best ending or anything. I mean. Sure. Because I was expecting things like that. You had prepared me for things like that. I didn't even need the items you said I needed. You do need those two items. No, you don't. You don't need the second. Oh, one. really? You need the sword. I thought you did. I thought you. You can just talk. No, I just talked him into it. Oh, I didn't need to threaten I, him. I used the blade. We'll talk. To- no, I guess we to- should talk about the story because that's really what we're here for. So, <laughs> yeah. if you want to play this game without being spoiled, uh, just- go do it. I like the way that at the end of our um, recommending everyone what to do segment, we start talking about the final encounter <laughs> of the game, uh, and instead we're going to talk about the story. So uh, we're going to actually just kind of go through this step by step because I think there's things worth talking about in all of it. And we'll, yeah, it's a dense we'll talk game. about the characters as we come across them and how we felt about them and carry it on to the conclusion. That's a little more summary heavy than we usually do, but this game is all about its world and story. So that's what we will. Yes. We've been not talking to each other about this for weeks now. So, <laughs> so much pent up Planescape feelings. All around. So you wake up in a mortuary as the nameless one. He is a mangled corpse man who cannot die. Uh, he meets a talking skull named Mort, who is your buddy, uh, voiced by Yakko Warner. Uh, for people who grew up with 90s cartoons. If you 
know some 90s cartoons, the voice cast in this game is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah! The voice acting is barely there. Yeah, it's right? a very light voice acted game, but there's just enough to give you a real sense of who these characters are. Yeah, like Mort's voice acting especially, I think he's the most successful in. Oh, this is Mort, and he says one line, and then you hear every line in his voice after yep. that. Uh, I felt the same way about Anna a lot, actually. Yes, Anna as well. Uh, but then there's like, oh, John Delancey's here, and you go, what the hell is John Delancey doing in this? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, there's a lot of great voice acting going on. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so you wake up, you have no memory, you have a tattoo on your back. Uh, what? I don't even remember what the I'm, tattoo says, other than... It, it's ridiculously long. It guides you, it tells you to go towards someone named Farad, right? Yeah, it says, find your journal, find Farad. Yes. Uh, it's basically, and they could have just had, oh, he's tattooed two uh, two phrases onto his body, find uh, the journal, find Farad. No, because they don't. it's really important <laughs> that there's a lot of lines, and then later you find out there's a line that you didn't know. Yep. I mean, there could have just been a third line. It could have been, find the journal, find Farad. Yeah, but given how exhaustive it is, you don't expect there to be another line, I feel like. No, you don't realize that the the dumb joke of... Oh, you've got a novel written on you. Yep. Um, is actually has a purpose beyond that. It's real smart. And, uh, you find out pretty quickly, along with your friend Mort, uh, talking to you that you can't die, but every time you come back, you, you often you have problems with your memory. And so you tattoo mm-hmm. things on yourself to remember stuff. Oh, memento. Yeah. Before yeah. memento though. This, this is actually, yes, it is, bef- this is pre-memento. And, uh, Mort is kind of your sidekick. He's the wisecracker. He is a floating skull. Uh, he fights with his teeth and he, uh, gains insults, which you don't actually use for anything as far as I can tell. No. But he will, I, I he will never gain new them. taunts as you run into foul-mouthed people throughout the game, which I always thought was hilarious. Yep, that's pretty good. <laughs> what did we think of Mort then? Let's do Mort Okay, now so Mort get... is the Junpei Yosuke... <laughs> Yeah, of the He is your lascivious best bud wingman bro, and thus yeah. we hated him. <laughs> but I know that he is very popular. Ron Weasley. Yeah, he is, he is Ron, yeah. If Ron Weasley was like what... more into hitting on ladies and less into being like awful. Less into being shitty about everything and more just actively. Yeah. Yeah. Less moping, uh, more flirting. That's Mort. Yeah. So I guess, uh, Mort's better than Ron. Sure. But he is he Maybe. is Yosuke or Junpei. He is full Yosuke. I don't know why that is such a prevalent character in these in RPGs. I think it's just a, a popular thing in like all of media. Actually, you got your main character and you got their wingman bro. The main character has to be a kind of a cipher, uh, even when they're not. It has to be the thing the audience relates to. But then you need like the fun loving, ridiculous one that everyone can shake their head at. It just so happens yep. that usually turns into a character that insults people and hits on all of the women in your group. Everyone knows that the best character of this type is Jansen, so... Uh, yes, accurate. <laughs> we go play Lost Odyssey and find out You want to talk about a totally Jansen different is. RPG that has a weird similarities <laughs> with this one. It's probably the most similar thematically that I've played. Yeah, but, but also it the is most the most JRPG. It is just like Final <laughs> Fantasy VI. <laughs> Yeah, go play Lost Odyssey. Wow, yes. Um, anyway, you, uh, get a, you go through the mortuary. It's kind of your starting area. It's actually a really bad starting area because it doesn't, 
I feel like there's too much. It's way too open. It's way too open for where you start, and there's not enough reward for talking. Like, most of the things that you talk to are zombies that don't really respond to you. Yep, and it gives you the full sense that this game is going to be full of large open dungeons. Yeah, because if you do anything wrong in there, it turns into a big, long combat area, and you are not prepped yeah. for that. No, not at all. And you assume that, okay, I'll get out of here, I'll go talk to someone, Sigil, I'll go to another area like this. That's not what the game is in any way. But uh, as you go through, uh, you find, or you should find, hopefully, uh, I ended up missing this the first time through because I'm an idiot. Uh, you find... The guy with the dead You book. find a ghost. Oh, not... Can we talk about what's-his-face? Um, Drool. Oh, sure, Drool. yeah. I really like Drool. This is the, so, uh... So is the, 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 mort- the mortuary is ruled by the dustmen, who is a f- who are a faction that uh, their goal is to so achieve much death. Law. Yes, uh, the true the death. true death by uh, absolving themselves of all earthly desires and then freeing their mind and body so that when they die they can escape the like realms of I guess karma and rebirth and truly just embrace oblivion. Uh, yes, which is basic. Like they are the most thematically like focused reflection of this entire game in terms of mm-hmm. a faction it's, no wonder they are the first ones you yeah. meet um because it's clear that nameless ones uh constant being reborn uh is a thing that is really bad for him early on yes because it has ruined him he is just like a zombie man yeah he doesn't know who he is he doesn't know what's going on he just it has nothing. and he is like like uh, he's full of scars, and he seems to be more or less impervious to pain. And he's like mutilated. Uh, as, as you go through that area, like the you can get your first memory there, right? By yes. just having someone like stitch up your open, gaping wounds. Yep. But because you're not in a good state. So at the all. first dustman and you meet, his dull, and you have this really long conversation with him about what the dustmen stand for. Why he's kind of because he's not the, the it's implied early on that if you run into the dustman, they want to make you dead, right? They know you should be dead, yeah, because you're in their mortuary uh, and they brought you in in the mortuary and they, brought they you collect in. corpses, and then, yeah, and that's how they got you, yeah. Back. And no one gets into the mortuary without them saying they're dead, come yes. in. Uh, but this guy just talks to you and he's like, I'll let you go because he knows about your condition, he reads the dead book mm-hmm. and sees everyone who, uh, has passed away and they've collected. Or this is the first and long string of characters who might have actually run into you prior times you've done this. Yep. Because I, mean, I think it's pretty explicit. The, uh, the world is full of people who have run into the nameless one before, but are kind of cagey about the circumstances of that prior meeting. Yep. Because at this point, you have no idea how many times you've done this or in what condition you were in last time you were through this area. Yes. And, and the reason I like Dool so much because it's your first big conversation in the game, and it it's, it's set up through Mort telling you uh, a way to approach an area, and then you have to immediately do the opposite thing. Oh yeah, because Mort uh, Mort does not. Want... Mort's like, don't talk yeah. to this guy. Mort's like, don't talk to this guy. Don't do it. We have to get out of here. We have to be pragmatic. And I like, actually no, no, feel like that's, that's generally Mort's reaction to everything. Yeah, Mort's reaction is to say the wrong thing. Yeah, and I assume the. The game, I don't know, like, I was put off by his jokey nature, like, from the get-go, because the first interaction after, after the main room is he, like, hits on the zombie woman. And after that, it's like, well, I'm not going to listen to this guy, he's an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it trains you in 
in that pretty early on. But also it trains you in a situations where you are uh, assuming... Like, more is clearly what a traditional tutorial would tell you. Like, this is the bad guy, don't talk to the bad guy. Uh, but the correct, correct thing to do in this game is to talk to the bad guy and empathize with him and understand why he believes what he believes and is doing what he's doing. Mm. And the commitment in depth in the first conversation you're in, which isn't technically plot relevant in any way, shape or form, uh, to a, a sense of understanding and empathy about the world around you is just fantastic and set the game off on a brilliant first foot. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't really feel that. Uh, I had... I love... I love that conversation with Dwight. I had this feeling when I started talking to the guy for joining the Dustmen in the bar. This is where I had that real, like, all of those Dustmen quests are when I hit, hit this moment. I, I guess also the Seer. That's another mm. one is my favorite conversa- early game conversations. Not the Seer. The, Se- the Skeptic. Seer the Skeptic. Right. Which is part of those quests. Um, yes. So, as you get out of there, you run across a ghost of a woman named Dianara who claims to be, like, your former lover and the nameless one, even though the game's pretty good about giving you a lot of possible options, uh, the nameless one, basically, almost all of the options are like, well, there's no reason not to believe her, so I guess this is true. Which, yep. in a game that is, allows you to kind of have a really wide range of responses, is the most signposted, okay, you just should believe this because it's a precondition of this world. Mm-hmm. It's maybe the one thing they only they, they give you in that way. In the entire game, uh, and they need yes. to because it it set it sets up a bunch of expectations so that they will then meet and subvert at the same time. Well, the, game. the one interesting subversion, like the first really interesting subversion, happens in this conversation because she talks about how she loves you and that she wants to help you, and uh, she gives you a prophecy. But if you promise to find a way to help her, like to escape her, because she's like trapped in there in her ghostly form. Um, yep. and you're given a bunch of options, but among them are vow, I will help you and lie, I will help you. And yes. it's the first time, the, the first, first time instance. it sets up the idea that the game lets you determine your internal motivations for doing things, even if the external output is the same, because yes. if you promise, if you vow or lie, she reacts the exact same way. No one's going to call you out on mm-hmm. it. But it's like, how you fill in the background of who the nameless one is. Yeah, and it will change your alignment, but it mostly just gives a context yeah. to what you're saying. And, like, that entire, like, even though all of the dialogue is the same, it produces the exact same resp- result, just giving you the color of this one's a vow and this one's a lie. It tells you everything you need to know about your ability to roleplay a character. Yes. It's really smart. Yeah. So you get, uh, you leave the mortuary then, uh, you know, you- should we say what the prophecy was? Cause it's pretty oh, important. Oh, sure. I, I, I feel like I didn't really feel like it was that important, but I know it is. I kind of didn't feel it was important at the time. And then I went back like before the very, like before you go into the final area, I talked to her again and she gave the prophecy oh, again. Okay. And you're like, Oh shit, this makes so much okay. more sense. Yeah. Now. I want to hear this then. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, oh, what is it? She says, you, you will meet enemies three, one of uh, good, evil, and neutrality, which I think is ridiculous, and I love that the game commits to neutrality as a concept, as a word you can just say. Yeah, sure. Because that's one of my the, the silliest parts of uh, Dungeons and Dragons, that someone is good, evil, or neutral. Also, chaotic, they... lawful, or neutral. Yes, chaotic, lawful, or neutral. Um, 
neutral neutral is the true neutral the yeah the true, true neutral it's, it's weirdly hard to do uh it is i know i, I feel be, like actually. i never really understood the machinations of dungeons and dragons alignment until after playing this game and now i feel like i get it what do you mean like what the difference between a lawful or chaotic or a good or evil character is in the way that this system lays it out well yeah because the uh, choices that make one lawful versus chaotic, even if you're playing a good guy, are really interesting. Which I didn't play evil because yeah. I don't do that. But uh, the the choices that make you chaotic, I I don't know. I just feel like I didn't get a good grasp of that until this game, which gives you constant reinforcement of what those are. Yeah, uh, the game basically sets up uh, this this system of not not like behavior and the alignment system makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because it gives you characters which, uh, and like, Mort is chaotic good. Yeah. And you're like, oh, of course he yeah. is. Uh, I now understood what chaotic good means by being around Mort for five minutes. Fantastic. Uh-huh. So, the, the prophecy is of the three villains, is that what it is then? Yeah, you, sh- you shall meet enemies three, but none more dangerous than yourself in f- full glory. They are shades of evil, of good, and neutrality, given life and twisted by the laws of the planes. Yeah, that makes sense. So you say um, thanks, I guess. I'll come back and try to help you. I I just looked up the answer. Appar- the answer to that prophecy is different than what, to what I thought the uh, Yeah, no, because there's was. a different... There, I know there's a different way to read that, which has to do with the actual characters you encounter in that game. I take the enemies three to be the three of you that you meet... I, but I, I bet it, you could also read that as Farad, Ravel, and uh, what's-his-face? Trius. Uh... uh yeah, it's... Uh, who's Fajul? That's the character you meet in the Outlands. The d- it's him. It's, okay, interesting. It's him, Trius, and Ravel. We'll get to that, because I feel like that part is weirdly underdeveloped yeah. for how important it seems to be. Very much so. Uh, but back in the Hive... So, you get out of the mortuary, and you end up in a Hive, which is the slums of uh, Sigil. Yep. And it is the next seven hours of your life are going to be side questing in in the, the hive yeah because it's a giant some... city there's like four separate screens of the city and each one is full of buildings and people and quests uh i don't really want to cover this exhaustively because that's impossible oh god no but uh maybe talk about some highlights about yo the alley of dangerous angles is terrible okay done okay, that place sucks um... for sure um <laughs> First off, the, you you can immediately go get your next character, uh, and you should. Who is in the flaming corpse bar, smoldering corpse, smoldering, smoldering corpse. corpse bar? Uh, he is a character named Dakon. Uh, he is a. Do you remember what Dakon is? Off the top of your head, a githserai. A githserai, right? Languages. I don't know. Uh, a githserai <laughs> zerth. So much jargon. Yes. In knowing the teachings of Zerthamon, I have become stronger. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Uh, Zathamon is my favorite. So he is a, like a, he is a lawful neutral, right? Or is he lawful good? I think he's lawful good. That, yeah, that makes sense. Um, uh, he is a warrior character who is, believes in. No, he's, he's, he's lawful okay, neutral. That makes sense to me too. Uh, he is this warrior who carries this, uh, this chaos blade. That alters its shape depending upon his will or his mental state. Um, yep. He's uh, he also has some magic. Uh, he b- believes in this religion. Uh, 
that he carries around with him called the Unbroken Circle of Zerthamon that uh, deals with his people and their history. Um, yes. Dekon is probably my favorite side character in this game. He, I, yeah. Yes. He, cause the, the quote unquote quests of, uh, that circle, as you go through the circle, uh, I, I don't think you get any stronger bonds with any other character except that doing the circle with Zakon. Zakon is, uh, I guess maybe learning stuff about Mort is the other yeah. one. That's the other big one. So, um, yeah, uh, his, you go through his religious text and you help him unlock various levels of it because he has an understanding of it, but not a full understanding of it. And he teaches it to you as you kind of learn with him. Uh, this is one of the main quests where, like, the first big things where you're having high wisdom is really important. Because yes. each time you're given a wisdom check, whether you actually understand the parables in this circle or if you're just reading them, like, face value, and that won't get you anywhere. I, f- I find that very strange. I know that's how it works in Dungeons & Dragons, but I find it weird that if I'm clever enough, it'll tell me that I understand, even if I don't understand, or if I as a person playing it, do understand, but don't meet the wisdom check, it'll say, you're too stupid to get this bit. Mm-hmm. I, f- I find the the existence of a wisdom's, wisdom check kind of odd. Well, I don't know what to tell you. That's just how Dra- Dungeon Dragons work. That's, that's how Dungeon Dragons work. No, I get it. but um, it's, it's Specifically, there was stuff like, uh, remember the riddles? Yeah. That bit was the strangest bit because it's asking you questions, but it's not about whether you know the answer to the questions. It's about um, mm. whether you have the right wisdom check to meet the mm. answer. To the no, questions. that's fair. Because I'll be shouting on the screen. Like, it's, it's he means this. He it's a person. It's tomorrow. I think uh, the difference is like in a in most video games, it's whether or not the like these kind of checks are whether or not the player is smart enough to know something, and in actuality, yes. this game is whether or not your character is smart enough to know something. It has very little to do with you. Yeah. So if it, if your character is built smart enough, because your job is to build your character, then the character just knows it because they're the kind of person who would know it. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's just a philosophical difference. It, it is. It is. It creates a separation between player mm-hmm. and player character that's. Deliberate. But, uh, Dakon joins you without much, uh, question, uh, and is fiercely loyal to both you and the circle, though at the moment you don't find out why. I feel like we should just talk about how Dakon is. Let's do Dakon, yeah. So, you go through this story, uh, his, basically his religious text, Mm -hmm. which is the story of Zerthamon, who, uh, was a gith. Was Zerthamon a gith? Oh yes, he was a gith, and then he, yeah, so he was a gith, and the gith were enslaved by the illithids, mm. and Zerthamon led the rebellion yeah. to to take them down, basically, yes. right? And eventually, he is killed by other gith yeah. because it got really messy. But the main crux of it is Dakon's doubt on whether or not Zerthamon was a is a good was guy. a good guy, or whether he was secretly yeah. always under the control. Of those characters, and it broke him down so much that he became lost. Because the the text itself is really like, it's really well written. It's got a bunch of layers. It's not a uh, this is the good person and you should do this religious text. Mm-hmm. It's actually this super ambiguous. But like, there's a story about as a whole chapter of it that focuses on a character who um, sells out mm-hmm. the his fellow gift. Yeah, uh, and it doesn't like condemn him fully. Yeah. 
and he can't come to terms with uh basically the lack of order within this text and how ambiguous it is and it's it's fantastic yep uh and the thing that you uh discover cuz we're just going to talk about his entire story here yes uh, yes is that he was given the circle by one of your prior incarnations and mm-hmm. told like he it was given to him and he like the prior incarnation saved him on some sort of plane that he was lost in and uh the cost of that was the nameless one of the past at, told him like he was in a life debt he had to save the nameless one's life or no he had to save him until he had to serve him until the nameless one died right yeah because the gifts i live a long time and the nameless one is ostensibly human yep. supposedly yep and then of course the nameless one doesn't die so dakon was forced into slavery for the nameless one for a long forever basically and yeah until the nameless one dies yep um and like and you can when you find that out you can go no it's fine you can go and dakon's like no 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 you that's not how this works you can't end <laughs> yeah. this because he's so bound by the things that he believes yes that you can't just tell him not and to. And because of the way that text works with Xerthamon and the Illithids, like, his slavery makes him an outcast among the Githzerai. Like, if you ever run into another Githzerai and you have Dakon in your party, things get really heated really fast. Yep. He does not get on with his fellow Githzerai. So, the worst part of this, and I guess we should just talk about it, is what you find yep. out about the circle. Yeah. Is, so, uh, we'll cover, come to it when it comes in the story... But the nameless one is the prior incarnations were not good people. No, and the what? Yeah, we'll talk about it. And the one that gave uh, Dakon the circle is called in the game the practical one, or pragmatic. He's the worst. Practical. He's, he's pragmatic and the he's practical the worst. incarnation. Pra- practical incarnation. And the practical incarnation created the circle using like a half baked understanding of. Xerthamon religion in order to get Dakon into the place where he would make these kind of oaths and refuse to break them. Because yep. the practical one wanted his uh, Chaos Blade because the Chaos Blade could, in theory, be powerful enough to, like, unmake the universe. But yep. and he's the only one who has one because it's, like, the last of its kind. And the practical one is the, the worst. Yeah, we'll talk about everything the practical one does as we go oh. along. Oh my god. And that's just one of the many just terrifying... Like, it's logical and it works. Mm-hmm. He is one of the most manipulative characters I've seen in the video game. It's disgusting. So, you uh, you go through uh, the hive. Uh, do you want to talk about any particular quests that you liked, especially? Um, I mean, the Dustman quests. Yes. That quest, um, specifically the conversation with the skeptic. Yeah, talk about the skeptic, because I have one. You meet, a du- you meet a Dustman at the bar... Who, and I met them outside of the quest. You are told to talk to them as part of the quest, but I just met them as a conversation. Which I think works better. Uh, and you meet them and they're a dustman and they're like, I don't know if I believe the teachings anymore. I don't know if, um, this is a a part of me. Because they almost died. You find out they almost died. Um, and they don't want to die, basically. They're scared of dying and, they got close to it and they're like, this doesn't seem right. I don't want to purge myself of emotions and everything. There's too much to life. And you just have a conversation with them. It doesn't, I mean, you can advise them on what to do, whether they should, um, 
give up the religion or stay with it and see if they, you know, still believe. But they, they just say, I'll take that under advisement. They don't actually... You don't go, you see them later and they've done exactly what you tell them to. It doesn't afford you that kind of agency in a way a RPG mate. Like in the way you do in Mass Effect where you talk to someone in one game and three games later they'll have done exactly your suggestion or something silly like that. It's literally just a conversation that exists within itself uh, about the philosophy of this one character and it's really, really interesting. I like uh, that and Zerthamon and throughout the game uh, using a ridiculous kind of nonsense law but to a purpose that is um, way smarter than you would expect. Because it's still a silly um, environment, and they play it like that. They play humour in all the weird contradictions and realities of the world they've created, mm-hmm. but they also take it seriously in a thematic yeah. way. Uh, I, li- I like when the, uh, people making stories can do both at the same time. I think that's key. It's not enough of that. So... One of my favorite quests in the Hive, and it is kind of a goofy throwaway quest, is the Mourns for Trees quest. Oh, Mourns for Trees! So you, found, you find this guy uh, pretty early on who says, oh... What does he do? He mourns for yeah, trees. He's, he's really sad because there's no trees in the Hive, because the Hive is kind of this blasted wasteland. It's just trash and garbage. Because this city is built on the people who just spill into Sigil from other realms, so it's just a bunch of cast-offs and garbage heaps for the most part. Um, yeah. And he wants there to be trees, and he explained, and when you're like, that's probably not realistic, this place is like a hellscape, what are you gonna do? And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand, this is Sigil, if, if I can get people to believe in trees, we could probably get trees to grow, which sets up one of the main focuses of, like, the Planescape universe in, you're in such a place that is, like, beyond normal reality that if you believe in something hard enough, it will come true. And yep. what you have to do is bring your party members to Mourns for Trees and, like, ask them whether or not they'll be willing to believe in trees to help them grow. And if you do enough of that, you'll complete the quest. But the way that it sets it up through, like, this really, like, one-off kind of goofy thing, I think is really profound. Yeah. It's just a guy who wants some trees. Do you ever see trees no. grow? No. No. Of course not. And <laughs> some of your characters just won't say yes. Like, they refuse. No, I know that. Like, why the hell am I going to believe Like, trees? Dakon will just do, like, be like, yeah, sure, why not? But it, it's, is it Mort or Anna that just won't do it? It's Anna. It's Anna, yeah, Anna just won't do it. I think Mort did mm-hmm. it. Because I was like, Mort, believe in the trees. And he was like, fine. It was a bit, it was a bit resistant to it, because he's Mort. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, the, the other one that is set up from the beginning that you can start on is when people ask you your name, you don't really know, but one of the answers is always Adon. And yes. if you answer Adon enough times, uh, when you go into the Smoldering Corpse Bar, there will be an Adon there who exists only because you legitimize that as being a person, an identity. And people thought, where's Adon? Yeah. And he Adon was... appeared because and... the planes barfed him up. <laughs> Be- and that quest specifically, I didn't lie. I just said I was, uh, I didn't have a name. Uh, and that quest is a literalization of something that people keep saying that names have power and people can take each other's mm-hmm. names and when are they're without names I don't know what to do because you read that uh, you read that and it doesn't kind of make any sense because it doesn't follow the logic of you know this world mm-hmm. that we're in uh, because names are just things that you call each other uh, but here it gives them a specific power and that quest is the best example of showing you mm-hmm. What happens when you actually misuse names? Yep. 
It's pretty cool. So did you did you do that? Uh, no, I ended up looking it up. I actually never answered that I was a don. Nope, me neither. I'm too too boring and new and a good lawful good all the way. Lawful good all the way. Yeah, <laughs> always. So um, you spend a lot of time in the hive, and we could cover. I feel like there's plenty to say about most of the side quests, but we'd be here for literally all day. Uh, yep. So you eventually leave the hive. And you go into Rag Pickers Square and into the Trash Warrens? Is that what it's called? Yes. Okay. And there you find Farad, who everyone has been sending you after for various reasons. You, because it's on your back. But the Dustmen want to know also how Farad keeps coming up with bodies. Because what he does is he collect. he's like the leader of the collectors who find corpses to give to the Dustmen. Yes. And they want to know why he has so many bodies, because... They have no idea. Obviously, he's not killing people because people aren't disappearing, but the bodies have to come from somewhere. So you yep. go down under the city to, like, a place that's just been covered over with garbage, and he lives there, and you find out that you were pointed to him because, uh, because of yourself, basically. <laughs> Which, of course. I mean, I think that's the first time that they do yeah. that. Because the entire time you're in the hive, no one references you. You're kind of a... It uses your memory loss to make you a newcomer in yes. the world. But once you get there, he's like, oh, well, you were here before and you needed, you asked me to get this thing, or I need you to get this thing and I'll tell you why. Why everything is happening yes. once you get this thing for me. Yep. And so you, you go and down and, and you get a thing and that's I, not yes. really worth talking about, I feel like. No, we're not going to do the Dead Nation no, stuff. No, I mean, it's interesting, um, but we'll be here for four hours. Yep. Um, and you get the thing for him and he, and now he tells you that he actually doesn't know, but that a prior you asked him for this thing. And yeah. so he wants it and he figures, uh, or how does that work out? I don't remember the, the full set of things there. Well, he wants the sphere. Yeah, he wants the sphere. Do you want to know why? Cause that's later. You know, find out now. You, you why know why, you know why, I know why the, the prior you wanted the sphere, but why does Farad need you to get the sphere? You, will you tell him it'll save him from the Pillar of Skulls? Oh, right. It's practically yeah. you being the worst. Practically you again. tells him it's really important. And so he wants to get it, and then he sends you to get it, and so you get the thing that you gave, you gave to him, or that you sent him to get, because of course. It's another, yeah, it's another example of practical you just using other people's desires and manipulating them in this disgusting way to get what he needs. But, uh, now that you both, now that you both have it, neither of you know what it does. So Farrah just takes nope. it and hoards it. And. For about ten seconds. And in exchange gives you his daughter Anna as a companion. Because she's the. That's not exactly I know, as but how. She's the one who found your body, like, in, when you woke up in the mortuary. Like, the person who found your body this time was Anna, who was his daughter, yes. and she's going to point you to where your body was, because that's the only clue you have left as to what might be going on. Mm-hmm. And Anna is, I like, I think one of the more interesting characters in the game. She's yep. your thief. She's a tiefling, uh, which means she's, like, part fiend. Uh, yeah, so she has, tall. like, a rat tail. Um, yep. She's voiced by Sheena Easton, of all people. <laughs> which is pretty great. Oh, I, I think it's a great like choice. Like she does really well with it. It's it's well voiced. So role. Anna is like this really sh- like vulnerable character. She's really superstitious and she's really put off by everybody. And she has a lot of like false bravado. But 
you get the feeling that deep down she's like deeply uncomfortable by just about everything. Yes. And I really liked that about her. Oh yeah. Uh, Anna's great. Yeah. Her entire character is just prickly and kind of bitter. And she's in a way she's yeah. also the character who is explicitly like really into the nameless one. Yep. The most the most of Yeah. And you can play into that or not, but it's clear that she is into you and it's like, "Oh, well, another com- now you have this uh is this about the time you find out about your other companions?" Um, like the prior set. Yes. Yeah, cuz you yes, you get Anna and then you find out about the 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 three. Okay. Yeah. How do you find out about that? Do you remember? I don't remember. Did I talk to someone? I must have talked to someone. So I think I think you just talked to more. Okay. Yeah. I think it's after that point though. It has to be after that point. I think you, you, something triggers and then you unlock a conversation with more and you say. And so what you find out is that you had no. I remember you talked to the tattoo guy. Oh right, but it has to be after this, right? Yes. Okay. So you and then you find out around this time, doing all the quests that we're not going to talk over about. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, there's a lot to this game. That the prior version of you traveled with companions. DNR was in there. Mort was there. And Dakon was there. And someone else was there? Zachariah. Zachariah. Who you can go and find he is now dead. Uh, much like DNR, I guess. <laughs> but he's in servitude. Yeah, he is the, now a zombie Dustin. that is working in the mortuary. And you can talk to him if you have the ability yep. to talk to corpses. I did. I yep. did. And it was a good conversation. He's basically really bummed because it turns out you were the one who set him up to sell his zombified body into servitude. Yes. Because the practical you is the worst. Again. He's, he's the worst, but also without the practical you, none of this story happens. Sure. Like, he, you're still benefiting off everything this terrible version mm-hmm. of you did. But this, this is also, like, why, explains why Mort and Dakon just kind of follow you along, because they have been with you in prior incarnations. This is also when yes. you can find out that Dakon basically swore fealty to you for as long as you were alive. Oh, man. Man, that reveal. Yep. Mort, on the other hand, we don't know about yet. Yeah, Mort later, because... Mort's still, so Mort's still the worst. Mort just basically, until you learn his deal, he just remains the worst. Yeah. Uh, so you allow Anna to take you to where they found your body, and we kind of skip the tomb. It's. I don't think it's very interesting. Do you? I mean, there's a thing that tells you not to trust Mort. Oh right. Don't trust the skull. Yes. And you realize, oh, uh, I've been here before, giving different advice. Mort's not trustworthy. I have no idea what's going on, and that's what you realize. That's what triggers you to go to find the other companions. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's the it's the tomb. The, the tomb's not a very interesting area, but the fact that you find your own tomb and it has your own advice yes. written in it is is a interesting thing. It's uh, that advice is maybe not particularly helpful. None of it's helpful. <laughs> no, none of it actually helps. When you get to the wards, you don't know what because when you ask none of the... when you ask more. Because he didn't tell you that don't trust the skull is written on your back at the beginning. He lied about that. Uh, yep. He gives you a lame excuse. But deep down, like, Mort doesn't actually have do anything untrustworthy. Like, no. the advice you were given was totally false. For, yeah. for reasons <laughs> explained at the very end of the game. And totally, which totally legitimized why he doesn't say that. Yeah. 
This is like, I'm not gonna, yeah. Anyway, so you head through the one stealth area in the game immediately after you get out. Which Anna. is more terrible combat nonsense. Holy shit, that might be the worst area in the oh, game. I, I kind of powered through, I kind of ran through without fighting anybody. Because you never I, have to go through I, that I area again, so. I, oh, what happened to me was I powered through it. And then I didn't, I didn't have a, um, crowbar. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then I had to somehow get back in, get past them all, and get to the, the crowbar. Nice. That's terrible. <laughs> God, it was so bad. And then I hacked the game. Okay. And, uh, you end up in the wards, which are like the nicer area in the game. Yes. Um, this is where seemingly everybody remembers you now. And, it doesn't make any sense story-wise. Well, this is um, also where, like, not a lot of people remember you, but also a lot of people have heard about this zombie guy walking around asking people about where folks are yeah. and what's going on in the world. Like, you now have a reputation. The, you have a reputation by the time you get here, but also the fact that everyone knows you here and also all of your party members knew you even when there was no hint in the conversations where you they joined that they knew you. I mean, before. Mort knew you. Mort knew you. Dakon um, is Dakon's ah. really taciturn, so it makes sense why he wouldn't volunteer information. It, it, ma- it makes sense, uh, but it's very much them playing a trick. Oh yeah, you, for right? sure. It's building up false expectations and setting you up in a world that you assume uh, the amnesia is a tool to make you um, someday. Visit someday, self. I plan to play another RPG that does this, and I'm not going to tell you which one it is. <laughs> and it does it way more ham-fistedly. Which I'm one? not going to tell you because we're going to play it. It's like a big reveal, and I'm not going to re- tell you what it is. Oh, Fallout New Vegas. No. Okay, damn it. I don't know. What? Is... what? I'm just going to go through the RPGs that have amnesia now. It's all The of game them. is damn not it. predicated on amnesia, but there's a moment where you realize that you have these inexorable links with like your entire party. And... All of them. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Every RPG. No, it's you'll know when we get to it. I, I, we'll, we'll move on now. Someone who's listened to this right. is like, I know exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> he's Minecraft. No. <laughs> so you go to the wards. Um, ostensibly you are looking for what? How do you find out? You're looking for a character so... named Ravel. Puzzle well. Yes. But why? Do you remember? Someone tells you find Ravel. Um, no. Someone tells. You don't know you're looking for Ravel until you get until you get there. The wards are a very strange mm-hmm. area. Uh, they're very directionless, but the way it's designed means you basically have to do every side quest oh, to get all the information. You when need to you're proceed. when you're in, well, as soon as you get to the wards, like the first person who you ask about stuff, Mort gets kidnapped. Yeah, Mort gets kidnapped, but they they tell you <laughs> that oh, there's only one person who could remove someone's mortality, and it's Ravel Puzzlewell. No, yes, yes. You tell tell you that, and then they tell you that Mort's probably with the Master of the Bones. Yeah. The Bone Lord. Yes. <laughs> uh, who is collecting skulls to give to the Pillar of Skulls. Yes. Which, you go rescue Mort, and you discover Mort's backstory there, I think, right? Yes. So, the Pillar of Skulls is, like, this place in, like, the Hell Realm. It's like the Chaotic Evil Realm, right? Yes. And... Uh, it's a giant pillar of skulls where people who have done bad things and end up in debt to, like, demons go. And they, they put the skulls on this giant pillar and it's like this shared knowledge. It's like the giant supercomputer of hell. 
But they, they still retain their individuality. Yes. But what you discover is, is Mort was already in the pillar once. Mm-hmm. And the practical incarnation of you went and asked the pillar stuff. And when they discover, he discovered that, like, I assume he discovered that the pillar asks horrific prices of people who come to visit it for its information. Yes. He decided to steal one of the skulls off of it to get the information without having to pay. Yep. And he steals Mort. The thing is, once he does that, the once you take the skull out of the pillar, it loses all of the, like, group wisdom. Yeah. And so he basically kept Mort after he stole him and, like, beat him. I mean, Mort's a skull, but, like, they talk about the practical one, like, beating him until, like, the skull cracked. Mm-hmm. Which is also really horrific. <laughs> oh, no, the, the Mort, and the nameless one, what he does to Mort before you're controlling him is, ah. Yeah. Oh. You, you're, you have a tidy party of abuse victims following you around. Basic, yeah, basically, exactly. Because <laughs> that's what the practical guy was. Yeah, and the game spells it out in no uncertain terms. Who does it? So you find out that Ravel is is uh, missing because she got mazed by the Lady of Pain, which is the thing that happens. The Lady of no, I've been mazed. The Lady of Pain uh, rules Sigil, it's... but refuses to be worshipped. And if you worship her yes. or if you cross her, she like builds a maze reality to lock you into. So mm-hmm. your goal is to find a way into that. Um, so the wards are kind of a big place. It's, it's the other big location in the game and can take as long as the hive did. Nowhere near as long as oh, the really? hive. Oh, really? Nowhere ne- Maybe. Uh, it's differently structured because mm-hmm. in the hive you have one specific quest that you can go and do anytime. Oh, sure. Whereas. The wards is a combination of side quests which you have to complete to get various information to proceed. So, let's hit the main points. There's a new character to get here. Yep, Fall from Grace. So, She's Fall amazing. from Grace runs the uh, brothel. Brothel of, of intellectual isn't lusts. Isn't it slaking intellectual lusts? I, is it? The brothel for slaking intellectual lusts. Fantastic. Uh, and she is a succubus who decided that she wanted to stop like devouring men's energy and wanted to become like an intellectual <laughs> and so she runs this brothel where she has a bunch of young women from all over the realms gather and they just become like scholars and singers and storytellers and like puzzle masters and you go in there if you want to have intellectual pursuits with said women for money yep and uh here is where you can get her to join you um, yes. she, cause she is, uh, she used to be a sensate or she is a sensate. She is. A okay. Sensed. Or sensate. I call it senast, even though it's actually wrong. Um, and she, uh, she, you can appeal to, cause the sensates are a faction that are all about experiencing new things in life. They are like the opposite of the dust men. Yes. And she is really intrigued by your story cause you're ridiculous and she'll join you, but only after you do this weird thing where you talk to everybody in this, the place. Because she wants to teach you a little bit of what she's about. Yeah. Which is smart, because it basically... That quest is gets you all the sub-quests yep. you need to get to progress in the mm-hmm. game. But the game never says, these are side-quests you need to do to progress. So it can seem like wasted time no, cause while it's you're also, starting it. It's also like, I mean, it's also the, some of the most interesting writing yeah, in the it's game. The, it is the game basically taking an hour to show off all of the weird types of interactions that exist yep. in the game. Yup. Man. All the stuff in that brothel is just... 
Because you're just running around doing side quests, but all of them are, like, these one-off, interesting, like, side diversions. Yeah. They are weirder, by and large, than the stuff you found in the hive. Oh, easily. But they also point you in the direction of how to find Ravel and everything else. Yep. Um... So you, because there's, you... the, there's the silent one. Yep. There's the there's the one who just her entire thing is she just insults everyone in the worst mm-hmm. way. Mort loves her. And her and Mort get on well. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you talk to everybody and fall from grace will join you. She is your healer. Uh, it's really interesting because she is a character who like they hint that she has a lot of story behind her being what she is like a reformed succubus, but. Yeah, like she comes with a diary that you can't yes. open, and you assume because well, you've done everything with Dak on the oh, at some point I'll be able to upgrade and unlock the truth. Yeah, but at the same time, she uh, you never do, and she remains like locked up, like she's a very private person. Yes, and I think that's really interesting, given that you kind of cracked open every other party member. That you have this one that just refuses to be like your. You can't manipulate her in the way you did everybody else. Very much so. She is way less defined by you. Mm-hmm. She comes along as a witness on this journey because she wants to be there. I mean, your friends and everything, you get yeah. along. But uh, compared to the I way... I mean, you get along with her. Anna everyone hates her. Else. Oh, yeah, Anna hates her. <laughs> because Anna sees her as, like, weird competition, even though Fall from Grace does not yep. seem particularly into you outside of the fact that she's kind of no. into everyone because she's a succubus. <laughs> Fall, from, Fall from Grace's <laughs> uh, interest is purely intellectual. Surprisingly. Yep. Also, Fall from Grace is voiced by Commander Shepard, so she's great. Oh, so it's, yeah, voiced by Jennifer Hale. Confirmed. Planescape Tournament is a video yep. game. <laughs> so I was automatically happy to get her in my party. Yeah. Run, run around with a Shepard. Um, this is also where you can get the other character. Yes. Because you get enough information to unlock Ignis, who... Oh, Ignis sucks. I know, but we need to talk about him. Why? Because he's super important? Kinda. Later. A bit, maybe. So, the Smoldering really. Corpse Bar back at the beginning, we didn't cover this, is defined because in its main, like, room is this figure on fire just floating in air constantly. And you can't do anything about it. But in your travels, you will find this infinite, like, flask that just makes water forever. And yes. once you find out a way to, like, make it work... You can go and pour it on Ignis, and it will free him from his fire trap. He's still mm-hmm. a weird fireman. <laughs> he's yeah, he's still a he's like man he's like Gollum, you. but on fire. <laughs> yep. And but when you talk to him, like flames, you flames, find flames, out flames, that he was flames. like a pyromaniac mage who like accidentally went too far with his magic, and oh, like he became a conduit conduit to the like the element of fire itself. And he very much did. Yeah, but. Talking to him, you find out why that happened, and that is, as you might expect, the practical one of you went. You don't say. Went, was like his, his like magical master who taught him mas- like magic, and then as Ignis became more and more unhinged, would put like Ignis's hands in fire to teach him a lesson, and you relive yep. this as Ignis is remembering it, but also through your memory. Uh, yes. and it's really horrific since it is you maiming Ignis and eventually your character just opened up that gateway fully and set him on fire. And so he's constantly this burning wretch. Yep. Uh, Ignis is like horrible. He is horrifying. Like he's not a good yeah. character. Uh, he's super chaotic. 
and I immediately got him out of my party because he made me really uncomfortable. Pretty much. I got the upgrades, and I was like, okay, peace, Ignis. Yep. Oh, he is the, like, pure mage that you can get in the game. Because Dakon does magic, but he's mo- he's like a fighter mage. Ignis yep. is your full-on mage. Uh, supposedly that's really powerful, but we already talked about how little we engage with the combat in this game, so... <laughs> nope. So, Ignis, goodbye. Yep. Uh, you can also get Nordum here. You didn't do this, right? I didn't do Did this, you though. even go in there? I... Yeah, I did, and then it was... And it's then, really goofy. Uh, it was... It was goofy, it was ridiculous location, the Mondrum maze. And I did the... I found the control room, I set it to hard, and I was like, right, I'm going to find It's really Nordum. hard. 45 minutes later, I'm still going through this maze, and I'm like, oh, yeah, God, I, was, I can't I was so... three nights of playing this game was in that maze. Oh, Christ. Yeah, I'm glad I got out of there. Um, So, you find... A, there's these figures, there's these like robotic guys called Modrons who are, they are like chaotic neutral, right? I think so. I think so. They are, they are like clockwork. This, no, wouldn't they be super neutral? Oh, yeah, they, they might be fully can. neutral. Um, but they don't understand anything other than Yeah, all. they are clockwork people who live a clockwork life. And if you go into their realm, uh, cause you find a gate key to it, you can, uh, you can go in there, and they basically built a randomly generated like RPG maze, almost mm-hmm. like a straight roguelike, like Binding of Isaac or something, uh, where each room like has doors that are randomly generated, and you get enemies in there that are they are like these robotic golems, but they all spout like stock RPG phrases, like yep. they talk about how they are we're like early enemies to level you up, and when you beat them, you get joke loot, like you'll get like. Mysterious clues that are just pieces of paper with clue written on it, or like weird doodads. Uh, a magic item! Yep. They're, they're a great experience. This is a great place to level up if that's the game you're playing. Ha! <laughs> uh, but if you go through this thing, and you have to go through it twice because you have to set it to hard and it resets the maze, um, you can get Nodrom, who is a, uh, like a one who is cut off from the hive mind of these things. Um, and he's, uh, like sentient now as like an individual. Um, he's really goofy. Uh, I don't know. Like Mort names him Nodron because it's a backwards Modron. Yeah. No, I he's get it. He's a ranged character. He has like a I'm crossbow. Glad, I'm glad Mort does that because of course he Yeah. Did. He, he, he's like a, he is like the joke character. Um, I, I, I had him for a little while, but he was not interesting in any way. No. He's totally optional. Thank Compared to how much of everyone else in the party is so... Like, aligned uh, with your quest? Yes. Aligned with your quest and adds, like, layers thematically to what's going yep. on. Goofy joke character. Fun, but no, no thanks. The other thing you can do in here is get mazed yourself. Did you do this? New. No. Okay. I, I read about it, but I was like, I'm So fine. you get a Queen of Pain. You can buy, a, like, a like an idol of the Queen of Pain, and you can worship it. And if you do that enough times, the Queen of Pain will show up and maze you for doing that. Because you've been warned against doing this, like, quite a few times at this point. Uh, yes. But if you do it, you go into this giant maze that she constructed for the Nameless One. And what you find out is that you've already been mazed before. Yep. And Which, of course, it's this you big have. puzzle area. I don't even remember if there's combat. I don't think there is. But if there is, it's really easy. And a little bit. And you find a an incarnation of yourself that uh, seems familiar because you find it's writing in... It's also the one who writes in the... Uh, in the tomb? Yep. Yeah, it's the one who built the giant death trap tomb that we mentioned earlier. 
Uh, but he's a crazy person and he basically like wrote out a bunch of nonsense on his skin before he died in the maze, which you find and is great. Yep. Uh, just more of that. That character, uh, you'll meet real, another version of that real soon, but it is, what do they call him? Like the, uh, the paranoid one? The paranoid incarnation? The paranoid one. Par- paranoid incarnation. Right. Um, who has just been like setting weird traps along the way that you keep stumbling into, like the tomb. Uh, yeah, definitely. to get out of there, and what's next? Is it Ravel or is it the stuff with the Sensate Hall? Oh, you just said Ravel is the final thing before you go off in the game. Okay. So you want to talk about the Sensate Hall? So the Sensate Hall, uh, the time to the Sensate faction, you can join them. But what's important there is in their back rooms, they have a bunch of sensory stones, which are recordings of experiences of others so that you can experience them. It lines up with their faction. Mm-hmm. And you go back and there are three stones in uh, the hidden room. Yes. Or the uh, room for members only. Uh, and all of them relate to you. So the so. first one that I want to talk about is the Paranoid Incarnation one. Yeah, Paranoid Incarnation so one. So you find but... one that is made by that version of you that was in the maze, and it is basically built to trap you when you come back to it. Because yes. it feels like other incarnations of itself are probably after it that want to harm it. <laughs> yep. uh, so it built this thing that when you touch it, it's going to try to trap you. And you do you talk your way out of it? Yeah, you talk about you it. Convince you it, you convince him. it to join with you, right? Well, at the end of the no, game. No, like in this stone. Don't you convince it to merge with you? Yeah, you convince it to let go. Yeah, but that includes merging with you and you getting like a memory or something. You get a memory, yeah. yeah. So this is where it sets up the idea that if you meet the prior incarnation of yourself, even in like this sensory form, you can like join with it. Yes, and you can absorb them. So you can do that and get some of its memories. And uh, anytime you do that stuff, you get an experience boost. This game, I guess we didn't talk about it. The main way to get experience in this game is to complete quests and talk to people. Because you'll get experience anytime you do something like that. Yes. Combat, there's barely levels. So what's the... I know what the main stone in here is. What's the second one? You talk to Ravel and you find out that she's... All the stuff with her. She actually talks to you and she's waiting In the stone? Okay. Remember? No, but it's been a month at this point. True. And the one that matters anyway. is the third stone, so tell me about the third Let's... stone. Maybe the most important moment in the entire game. Yeah. So you you know by this point that you're the worst. And well, you're starting to get... Because you haven't found out the full history of Dakon yet. You found no. a bit about more... Oh yeah, you don't know everything about Dakon, you know... Uh, you know, you yeah, but you know, you know about Ignis. At this you don't, point, you right? don't have to go have done that yet, because you have to make to, a special you... trip back through there at this point to go do that. True. So, this, for some people, this is going to be one of it's essentially the reveal, uh, the big reveal for you being the worst. But the game seeds enough of that as to not make it a twist; it comes organically. Mm-hmm. And the memory is uh, Dianara's memory of you. Mm-hmm. But because you were there, you, it also triggers memory, a memory of what you were thinking as the practical one. Yeah, so you get what's inside two characters' heads, and the scene is basically uh, the nameless one comes home or something and convinces her to go with her on this adventure. So the scene is actually not this huge thing, but you get the motivations of both these characters and the sense that he is manipulating her and convincing her to yeah, die. Yeah, Dianara is deeply, deeply in love with the nameless one. 
And yeah. the nameless one is playing into it and is clearly like he outright states, I am using her. I do not feel anything for her. This is about some larger plan, even though it doesn't reveal what that plan is yet. Mm-hmm. And it is just and... watching Dianara be used and led along, knowing that she ends up dead because of it. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most effective ways to convey, like, just how awful it's terrible. It is the, the most the, upsetting thing I just, think I've ever read in a game. Just, yeah, basically. Just you see laid out barely the pure emotional abuse this guy is doing and the effects of it in both characters and it's it it's like I don't know how long the piece of writing is it felt long because you have to read it slowly because it's really complex because mm-hmm, it's like two it's three viewpoints at once yeah it's all three viewpoints at once and two of them are technically the same yes. person um, so it's really complex but it earns it thoroughly. By just being this horrific tale of, uh, just awful abuse and, uh, this guy lying. Because mm-hmm. that's all he does. All he does is lie in this scene specifically, but knowing what happens and knowing the context of it, it makes it just a horrific moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that gives you the key you need to go to Ravel, right? Okay. Yes. That's how you, that, that is plot. You need to do that to get the okay. thing. Not so right. So you end up confronting Ravel, uh, now well aware of who you were at one point. Uh, mm-hmm. Though this, that person wasn't the person who met Ravel. Like, that's a different version of you. No, because they knew they were immortal. They knew everything they yeah. were doing uh, at that point. You don't know why they were doing everything they were doing, but they were setting a lot of wheels in motion. Because that person has been yes. manipulating everybody. And the wheels that they set in motion are uh, important. Like, no, they're, they're still playing they're, out. They're still playing, like, ultimately, even though he's the worst, you are totally complicit in using everything this guy has done to... Yeah, because uh, without him, you wouldn't have Dakon, you wouldn't have Mort. With that, you wouldn't yeah, have Farad. Without him, you wouldn't have... Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, the game's approach to um, how it <laughs> engages with whether you're a good or a bad person is really smart. Yeah, we'll works. get to it towards the end because ultimately it doesn't oh, yeah. matter. Yeah, pretty much. Um, right, we'll so you go to Ravel and you ask Ravel why you are immortal. And what you find out is at one point, the first version of you, we'll, we'll call it like Nameless One Prime, I guess. God damn it. Uh, I, what do you want to call it? The, the first Nameless One? Nameless one prime, yeah, too late now, the prime nameless okay. one. Uh, went to Ravel because they, they had done something so horrible that they would have been like damned for all eternity. Yes. And what that means in this universe is you have to be part of the blood war, like you're sent to the blood war. Which mm-hmm. is not really explained unless you go digging in the lore, but what the blood war is is like this eternal, oh. like rag. The blood war is explained. Yeah. I mean, you, if you've been trained to talk to everyone sure. and ask everyone things, it gets explained multiple sure, times. Sure, but it's super lorry. Like, you don't feel like it's relevant until suddenly it is. No. Uh, is this eternal... Which I I think is actually a really smart way of doing it, because that's basically how the nameless one got in that situation, yeah. by not thinking it was relevant until it suddenly was. Uh, and the, the Blood War is this eternal Ragnarok being waged in hell between the demons and the fiends, right? Which yes. are the lawful, or, yeah, the lawful evil and the chaotic evil factions. Like, there's no good versus evil in this, in the universe that's tearing the world apart. It is the blood war. No, it's the purest version of lawful versus yep. chaotic. Uh, and the answer is no one wins. Yeah. 
Um, and you wanted to avoid being conscripted into that for whatever you did, this big question mark. And so you convinced Ravel to separate you from your, uh, from your humanity. Yes. Or your mortality, not your humanity. But what that, yes. But what that did was set, like, cause she, once she does the spell, like your mortality like vanishes, uh, and then she decides to try to kill you, right? To test it. Yep. And in doing so, she wipes your memory the first time. Yeah, she, you wake up and you have no idea who you yeah. are. And what she does is, like, fall in love with you, right? Pretty yeah. much. <laughs> because now she has this, like, immortal uh, person with no memory to live with in her maze with her. Yep. <laughs> and uh, you can... you. There, it's a really long conversation where you're trying to manipulate her into revealing where your mortality is and how to get out of the maze. And, like, a bunch of different things happen there. It's it's a rich area that that one conversation. Yeah, it is just a conversation. Uh, she tries to like convince you to join her again. She'll take on the forms of both Anna and Fall from Grace and try to like uh, like come on to you. Yeah, which is really off putting. And both of those party members do not like it. No, they are unhappy. Uh, they get very cross if you engage yeah. with her coming on to you. And they, uh, eventually, it, it always leads to a fight. You have to fight Ravel. Yes. Uh, but she does tell you the way out of her maze, and she tells you that it will lead, like, it'll lead to a different realm, right? Or no. Yeah. There's... It leads to curse. Okay. But it will, that points you in the right direction, correct? Yeah. Because she knows, Cause you ha- she knows she... someone who knows where your mortality is. She tells you that it's the angel. Right. Uh, that it's, uh, what's... Trius. Um... Trius, yeah, yes. So, so you know, so you're given your question, you have to go find Trius, he knows where your mortality is. And this is the point where the game stops being, as it goes into its final third, it stops being side quest heavy and just becomes full on uh, sprint to the end. Of yeah, game. so we'll probably gloss over a lot of this because it's not super important. Uh, it's not, but it could have been. There's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff that's very So you go to Cursed, and Cursed is a town that's like in this blasted outer lands, but it's like a town that's teetering on the edge of falling into hell. Like mm-hmm. it's it exists in this weird planar, like null state where it, it's in one dimension, but it could be in another dimension if you just push it a little. Yeah. Cause it's been established that the way towns are located on the plains is determined by the mindset of people. Within. Yeah. And everyone's, and everyone's, everyone's like, terrible. they're like chaotic neutral probably. Right. And they're just teetering I, I towards know. chaotic evil. <laughs> yeah. I think I think they're chaotic evil, uh, neutral when you get yeah. there. Yeah, but everyone's just awful to each other. No one trusts anyone. Everyone's selfish and motivated by awfulness. It's and you yeah. can do a bunch of quests there, but none of them are like super plot relevant. No, they're just to get a. But thing there, there is a, a prison thing. there which you do have to go to because that's where you, yes. everyone says, "Oh, you're looking for the angel." Well, he's over there in the prison. Well, that's what you do the quest for. You do the quest yeah. to get the key, and so you go through the prison and you find the angel, who is voiced by John Delancey. And I just went, that's freaking John Delancey, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, you need to free me and I'll tell you where your mortality is. So you do. And that's a bad idea. Turns out, who knew? I saw that coming. Yep, because he was locked up for a reason. Surprise! Because he's he's a fallen angel, right? Yeah, he's totally a fallen angel. He's a bad guy. Mm -hmm. And he basically just disappears when you awaken him, right? He doesn't tell you anything. He just is like, I'm out of here. 
Yeah, but he says something. He because you know you are told at that point that you need to go to the guy on. Because you, you when you leave the prison, you take that portal. Oh, he tells he you, tells you there's a portal, but he tells you it's going to take you to your mortality, and it doesn't. Oh, you're right. Yes, he says it's like, yes. He's okay, like, hey, there's a portal in the north of this cave. Go up there, and you can do that. And, uh, and the- or the game's most bullshit. We're gonna hide this behind a portal. <laughs> so the <laughs> final character stupid. is hidden. Like the the portal that you need to go through is in a doorway. But if you click past the doorway, you'll walk through the portal and not like go through it. You'll not engage it. You'll just walk into the thing beyond it. And yep. in there is the last character, which Keith David. Keith David. Uh, Val again confirmed Valor? video game. Valor. 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 Valor, Valor. And Valor is a mercy killer who is, uh, like this, they're like, they are these super lawful characters. Uh, they're like this giant, like, they're like fascist warrior cops. Pretty much. <laughs> they exist only to punish those who've committed injustice and anyone who would harbor those who committed injustice. So when I first, uh, talked to Valor, um, I was like, this seems like a bad way of thinking. I disagree. And we had an argument about it, and he killed himself. So yeah, you can. So Valor <laughs> was a human being, but at some point was locked in this dungeon for an indeterminate amount of time by you guessed it, the Practical Incarnation, Woo! who had been because the Practical Incarnation is the most evil thing in the entire universe was uh, was being chased by Valor and decided Valor would be more useful as a tool than just to be defeated because the practical incarnation is just that practical. Well, no, he said he said that he couldn't. He, like he's pure justice; he can't be killed uh, or something. Well, no, it, at first he couldn't be killed. He could be killed. He was just a human. But yeah. practical incarnation is like, well, this guy is really powerful. I bet I could use him. So he yep. locks him in this place, and then Valhor dies. But his sense of justice is so strong that his soul like embeds itself in his armor, and he's just mm-hmm. like this ghost armor. Yeah, because it's, it's an empty armor, is yeah. what Valor is. And he does not realize that you are the person he was chasing. You are not, like, that you are one and the same. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, he will attack you. <laughs> He'll instantly turn aggro or whatever. You can talk to him about it being your own crimes later oh, on. You can talk him down, yeah. Yeah, because you say, I don't remember me, is, am I truly so responsible? So what happens when you convince him... Because I basically you say the justice doesn't need to be ju- done or whatever, right? Uh, no, because he's saying that um, that everyone is like that. All punishment has to be the maximum all the time. Mercy is weak, is what um, he says, uh-huh. right? Uh, and you you can basically arguing him saying no, you have to have, have empathy. And as you go down that route, you will win the argument. But as he can realizes, basically you have to convince him that law is fallible and not a. Uh, it's like he's convinced him that law was created by men and is therefore an unjust concept. Oh, and then he just departs. And the contradiction of that is too much for him, and he ceases to exist. Great, that's that's maybe actually the right way to play that in terms of thematics. That's what I did, and I because I and I was like, I don't know whether to keep this, but then you said I had heard um, that you should probably have Valor. He's you? really powerful. I didn't. Re- I didn't realize that that was only for combat reasons, because I didn't need that. Sure. Um, I had him because I was getting my ass kicked, and he's really strong. I, yeah. I got rid of Nodrom here, because Nodrom sucks, and uh, uh, yep. teamed up with him. Yeah. So, 
And off we went into the portal, which is supposedly supposed to lead to your uh, your mortality, but instead leads you straight into hell. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it leads you to the Outlands, right? It leads to the Outlands. You go, you have to go through another portal to right. hell. Right. And the Outlands are just these total wastes. The Outlands are the equivalent of nothing. Yeah. Right. I mean, there there's stuff there, but it's basically emptiness. Mm-hmm. It's where everything else is. And there you find what's his name? You remember? What's his name? That's the okay. Name. So there's okay. a demon there that... Uh, is he a demon? I feel like I really breezed through this place and I shouldn't have. This stuff is... I mean, he... All you need to know about him is that he's a demon who was tricked by... Trias? Uh, Trias. Okay. Uh, and can't... Has to do every single good deed whilst Trias is alive. Right. Um, and th- he will help you. Mm-hmm. Um... And he sends you to hell to find the Pillar of Skulls, and the Pillar of Skulls tells you what's up. Yep, so you go to the Pillar. The Pillar is bad. <laughs> yeah, the the whole... I, I'm in two minds about how the stuff with the Pillar of Skulls works, because the Pillar of Skulls conversation itself is fantastic, but actually going to hell and seeing, oh, it's just a bunch of enemies I have to kill. No, it's a bunch of enemies that I switch to Nameless for one and run through, and do not engage okay. with. Okay, I mean... Me being all powerful god made I didn't that fight a single no thing here. I I switched just to the nameless one and I ran through the area. Is are they that ridiculous? Yes. Okay, that's good. They least. will destroy you. Um so that's smart, but <laughs> uh, uh I I still think seeing it seeing hell reduced the power of mm-hmm. uh what these other realms could yep. be. The Pillar of Skulls is really interesting. Though, Pillar of Skulls is so, itself, yeah, you, you have questions so cool. you can ask the skulls, but every question demands some sort of sacrifice of information or blood or people. You, you, you have to, you have to ask only one question, which is how to get out of here, and they will tell you. And so you back out of hell, and then you back out of the outer land, the outlands, because now you have enough clues to get all the way back to normal world. And, but as you do so, uh, you get to curse, and it's you realize that it has slipped into yeah, hell. Yeah, releasing Trius has given just enough evilness to curse to kick them out of their normal world into like the chaos, like realm or whatever. Into the chaos realm, yeah. yeah. And you have, and basically, all you need to do is you do a bunch of quests, do some good deeds, and go. Fight well, Trius. you have to convince the town to like be good to try to force it back into its own reality. Yes. Which is great. Like, if that stuff wasn't I just a bunch that. of combat stuff, it'd be amazing. It, just going to the town, and you just see a bunch of people looting, and take basically a bunch of people taking advantage of the situation, and you have to convince them that, are you guys insane? This, there is though, a situation to be taken advantage of. You've lost your home. You have to help. Mm-hmm. It's real good. And Because it, inter- it could have just been straight combat, which it mostly yeah. is. But it adds an interesting layer to it. And one of the more interesting things is the more people that you convert into trying to be good, the weaker Trius is when you confront him. Yes. So you go up to Trius in his, like, castle or whatever in this, like... It's like the accounting building or something. Uh, And he commends you for getting there and then you fight him. This is the most, like, video gamey boss battle in the game. Yes, it is. Uh... And you fight him, and that's whatever. But then, at the end, you can basically convince him to turn good again. You can. You can redeem Trias. So, so you basically tell him, hey, I know you're a fallen angel, but you need to remember what you are. You're supposed to stand for something. You can be that again. Like, you can be redeemed. Yep, yeah, yeah, it's this big, important conversation, and you redeem him. And then, and then Valor, if he's in your party, is like, 
sure, but he's still evil and then cuts off his head. <laughs> <laughs> Which totally makes sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, well, why did I bring Valor along? Go down there. No, because it's great, because you actually just get both experience boosts. <laughs> yeah, and then you turn into the practical and you're like, I just need all this experience. Yep. I can redeem him and kill him. <laughs> Perfect. Best of both worlds. Which, exactly. uh, again, uh, like, is the ridiculous outcome, but it's also the one most complicit with how this game deals with your own questionable morality. Yes. But before he dies, Trias does tell you where your mortality is. It is. And surprise, in uh, the lore of all video games, it is in the area you started. Yeah, the portal is to the place, which is called the Fortress of Regrets, is in the mortuary in Sigil. Yes. So you go back there, now armed with all of this knowledge, and you decide to make your assault on the Fortress of Regrets. And you do so... Oh, man. So... Many RPGs do not land their final section in a... Most of them, I would argue, do not. Exactly. But this is actually... Everything thematically and narratively comes to a head. All the storylines are paid off. You find out so much information in this final section. It doesn't feel like twists or reveals. Mm -hmm. It all feels very organic. It's one of the best last levels I've played. So, you... As you're about to go through, Mort and Dakon reveal that, hey, we've done this before, and this is how everything ended up going to shit the first time with with the practical incarnation. Why didn't they tell us how to get here! Because they didn't want to go back. Like, they won't refuse you if you insist that we go. But they're not going to volunteer this information because they can see it as the wrong idea. I don't think it ruins the game at all. I think this is uh, kind of a nitpicky thing. But the fact that Morton and Dakin have basically done this before because the whole point is you've walked the path various times. And <laughs> they know all the information you've been seeking. Like, yeah, but they're not going to... Like, neither of them have any... In, like, they have no investment in volunteering because they know what happens when you go through this. Why are they following you? They ridiculous. have to follow you. I know they have to follow you. It's really complicated. Because the relationship between you At two this point, is, both of them are so tied up, up in so much obligation to you. Like, they are in your thrall whether you want them to be or not. Pretty much. So they, they're just going to feign ignorance and do what they, they're they told. Yeah. But once you go through, it's going to divide you all up and try to kill you. Yes. And so you, you're like, well, we got to do it anyway. So you go through and you're alone. And who do you meet but Dianara? You can miss her. I Okay, but I did not. Which, if you miss her, then what are you even playing that game yep. for? That's that's the thing you need to use a guide for. Sure. Do you, go, to, go to the right. And she's there, and now you confront her with at least some of the knowledge of what's going on. And you mm-hmm. tell her that you need to find your mortality who like exists in this place as like a physical force and is trying yes. to keep you out. Is this where you find out why she's been kept around, or is that later? Yeah, it, this is all this com- this one conversation. Okay, I didn't know if it was here or when you meet the incarnations. Oh. No, I think when you meet the incarnations is when you can apologize okay. to her. But, yeah, okay. What you what you find out here is that Dianara was brought along and kept only because she was, like, already, like, magical and had prophecy, and that would, like, the practical incarnation realized that when she died, she'd leave a ghost because she was, like, magical or mystical. And what that would do was, like, not only keep this realm alive, but leave his eyes, like, he could communicate with her and have eyes in the fortress all the time. Yeah, and it is, 
the reason you can do everything inside that realm and know anything about it is that he left her yep. there. Which is really terrible. He used her literally to just be like his conduit to this place. Yeah, it's it's terrifying what he does. Mm-hmm. And you also find out what how you are able to remain alive. Right. Because she tells you that every time you die, like, part of the cost of this immortality is every time you are reborn, like, someone blinks out of existence and becomes this, like, shadow. It's terrifying, because those are the things that have been hunting you with this this game. And you realize that these are just spirits who are angry that for no reason they have been killed because of Mm -hmm. you. It's, oh god. Yeah. And you're like, the spirits are the good guys then. Yeah, no, the cost exacted by, like, the prime version of you has been hundreds of people. Yeah, not to mention whatever the crime was in the first place. God. So as you go through this place trying to find the way to your mortality, you will, uh, you will see these cutscenes of all of your party members being confronted by these shadows and your mortality and being killed. Yes. And all of them stick up for you. Uh, they all do. Most, I guess, most of them. Does Ignis stick up for you if you have Ignis? No, I don't know. I didn't no, have he Ignis. does not. Ignis somehow was here though. Yeah. Well, the thing, the thing is, the name, uh, your mortality, realizing that it's under threat, will convince anyone it can to come and help defend. And one of the people yeah. it will call is Ignis, whether it's in whether he's in your party or not. Okay. There is also a way, and I don't know how this triggers, but it doesn't happen for I me. I assume it's if you if I assume it's if you don't end free Ignis. Yeah, the, it will it will call Valor instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, the transcendent the your mortality, who the game now labels as the transcendent one, uh, yes. will come and tell like make Ignis fight you. Uh, and Ignis is really easy, actually. <laughs> Yeah. Even even without my, the super weapon you had, Ignis is really easy. Oh, no, I bet. Because even with that super weapon, it took two hits. So I was like, oh, okay, this is ra- wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then with all of the, like, things out of the way, uh, you can access all of the memories of all the other incarnations who have made it to this place. Yes. and Which are, this as you might expect, scene... the practical one, the prime one who created this place, and the paranoid one. And it's interesting to note that the first one is actually referred to as the good one. Yes. Because nameless at the time when you meet him, you, you don't realize he is the good nameless one or the good incarnation. You don't realize he's the first incarnation yeah. at the start. He's just, he's just the polite one, the one that's nice to you, the one that's understanding. So it's just a scene um, of you talking to all three in turn. The pragmatic yes. one is first, right? Or the practical one? Pragmatic, the, pra- the practical one is first and wants you to merge with him. Because he wants to be the one that gets out of here. Because he's basically been counting on yep. the fact that... Um, this is this is the guy who has enslaved Dakon and stole Mort and killed Dianara and raffled yeah, and off counting the on body the... of uh, Zachariah. And he's counting on the fact that when the Nameless One comes back here, he'll be able to beat him and yep. become the true Nameless One again. Because yes. he's still gunning to figure everything out. He, yeah. He hasn't given up on getting no, out of here. He's still... deep down, he wants the same thing you do, which is to find the transcendent one and like figure this out and reclaim mortality. He is like the yep. min maxer. He is the video games per player. He totally is. He is full on the video games. Because he is the gate, like the person who wants to manipulate every quest to get like the good result, the one that'll give you the most yep. items. <laughs> yeah, he fully is. It's oh man, yeah. Whew. And you essentially overpower him. 
if, what happens if you can't overpower him? I don't know. I, I assume you have you to just... fight him because I, I actually had to fight the paranoid one. Did yeah. you? Because okay, each yeah, one of these you can him, like, you can either talk to and merge with or if you like anger them, you fight them. I merged with the paranoid one. Uh, so I merged with the practical one. Then the paranoid one comes up who is just a crazy person. Yep. And if you, if you're too antagonistic or whatever, you'll just set him off and I had to fight him. I, I, I just spoke the language. I was like, hey, I speak your language. Oh, yeah, I should have done that. I didn't. I, that's, I tried that's... to ask him a bunch of questions and he got angry. Oh no, I, I, I sensed after the first question that he was getting pissed off. I was like, I'm going to talk it to him in this language. He will trust me. Well, mostly because I didn't want the para- uh, the practical one listening because I didn't uh, merge with him. I just talked to him and then left. Oh, okay. I talked to them all first before. Oh, okay. I merged with them one by one. And then the good one just merged with you. Yeah, well, it's the like, good sure. one reveals yeah. that he is the first one. And that every... I, I don't think he does. I think the way Oh, does, you figured um, out he's the first one. You just say, you're clearly the first one. Just like when you meet the Transcendence one, you go, you're clearly my mortality. And he... Which I love. The thing is, once he discovers that... Or, once you discover that, you realize that when you merge with him, you're going to get all of the memories of all of the things that ever happened. Yeah. Because he is, like, the key to all of this information. Mm-hmm. And so merging with him will like reveal whatever it is that damned all of you to all of like why he did this, why he and separated it, himself. It doesn't reveal it to the player. No, it, it would be terrible if it did. I'm so glad it does Agreed. not. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. Because man. whatever the nothing or the question mark is, the question mark is always better than the answer. Way more terrible than the answer because the actual thing doesn't matter. No. Especially when you have stuff like the DNR thing that I do go into. Yep. Like, you know the horribleness that you're capable of. But you merge with him. And and you also use the stone, you realize it's a sensory, there's the bronze sphere, you realize it's a sensory stone. Yeah, the sensory stone made by the original incarnation, right? Yeah. yeah, and you learn your own name. Yes, so you merge with him, you have all of your memories, you have your name, you have all of the power, and you, you're ready to take on your mortality. And yes. then DNR shows up. And you can forgive her. You can let her. No, you apologize. Apologize, forgive her, not forgive her. There's nothing to forgive her. She can forgive you. She forgives you. uh, Which I don't know why. Well, she also asks if you act like, at this point, she knows that you have all of the information and she confronts you and you can try to explain yourself, but she asks if you love her or not. And I gave her the actual answer of, like, I don't actually know if that's true. Like, maybe if circumstances were different, but yeah, I don't know so you, and the other version of me did horrible things, so I'm sorry, but I don't, like, there's no answer here. Yep, I did that as and well. And she seems to take that in stride, even though she's bummed out about it. Yeah. And she gives you ten levels of experience! <laughs> well, because, yeah, well, the whole point of that thing is to get, make it so that you can talk the, the thing out at the end of the game. Yep. Because like, it gives you the tools to get the best ending, mm-hmm. regardless. That's I was worried about not having the items, but that's why it does okay. that. So you're always leveled up to the full. So yeah, you then she like she she passes on right, like she gives up life. Yes, yeah, she is able to move on to the true death. Yeah, once you tell her that, and then you take the portal to the transcendent one, who is your mortality, who is this, uh, the actual. I guess he's not a monster, but he's the closest thing to a villain this game has. But yes. then he reveals why he's done everything. Yep. So once he's separated from you, the thing is, like, it created its own sentience. It is a, like, 
thinking being and all it wanted to do was to continue to exist now that it's separate from this more like it's like yeah it is like i can't i can't die and you can't die but if we merge we'll eventually die and i don't want that so all it's the the whole point of the fortress of regrets and all of the like sending the shadows and being antagonistic to you is to try to kill you over and over because each time you'll forget and have to start this quest over again yeah, cause that, and that's why none of his like attacks are powerful. Like, I just want to keep you around, but uh, yeah. in a way that won't bother yeah. me. All it wants is to exist without you interfering, which is impossible because all you want to do is reclaim it and be able to live and die. Yes. And so you can try to talk... You, you can fight him, I guess, which is a bad choice. Who would do I don't that? Know. Or you can talk him down. So what I did is, in my quest, I got a sword or a blade... That, uh, was built by this, like, super chaotic, like, golem creature that was, he told me, this is a thing that is so powerful it could even kill you. Cause you ask him to make one. And he's like, we can do this, but it'll only work outside of the normal flow of reality. Well, guess what? The, uh, Fortress of Regrets outside the normal flow of reality. Yes. <laughs> so you can threaten to kill yourself and actually kill him. And he's like, well, I don't have really any choice in the matter then. I'll merge with you and live a little while longer than, cease to exist right now i'd rather do that and you basically bully mm-hmm. him into merging with you uh i asked him why he was doing everything and you basically realize he's afraid mm-hmm. and he admits that he's afraid and uh that i feel like that's the best ending route no it sounds it sounds cool uh, and the other one, the third route you can do is we haven't referenced this even though it's probably the most referenced line in the game uh is you ask him Ravel's question. Which is, what can change the nature of a man? What can change the nature of a man? Yeah. What can change the he, he He believes nothing can. Mm. What did you ask when... What did you answer when Ravel asked you? Uh, I think I said love. I think I said death. I know I said death. Nice. Death can. I mean, that's probably one that he'd, chain, he'd say. I don't know. Well, yeah. Not only is it the most, like, thematically appropriate... But I think it's also my answer. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I thought like the game's pushing you to to say regrets. Mm, is it? I don't. I don't know if that's true or not. Because ultimately, the whole point is that your regret doesn't like the regret of all the things that happened doesn't really allow you to. It doesn't get you anywhere further than like the pragmatic one. No, did. the re- the regrets, so you did the thing, the bad mm-hmm. thing, and you regretted it, and you don't want to accept the consequences for it, so you become immortal. But then you did that, and you regret that, and then that is what causes you to finally accept the consequences for the bad thing you did in the whole But place. then you didn't change the nature of man, you just went through all this to retain your old state again. Ah! There's nothing. The answer's nothing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Game so, does, does let's not talk give... about the game ending, actual ending, and then we'll talk about this. Yes. So you merge with the, by hook or by crook, you merge with the transcendent one. You achieve your mortality, but you have all of this power and experience that it gained and you gained from all your incarnations. And for this brief moment, you are all powerful, basically. Mm-hmm. And in that power, you decide to resurrect all of your dead comrades, except Mort, who was just faking being dead. Which is the best thing? Oh man, more. Of course you're faking being dead. He, you resurrect him, he just gets up before you can. He's like, hey, I was, I'm a skull, I'm fine. Yep. Which explains why he never had a, um, death yep. scene. Uh, oh. and so you, you so resurrect ridiculous. everyone, but you realize that the only actual answer here is to 
own up to what you've done and atone for everything and go fight in the blood war. Yes. And so you basically warp everyone out of the fortress and then give up your life and go to hell. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have a power of friendship ending as you talk to everyone. I mean, your uh, power of friendship ending is, oh, well, thank you so much, but I need to go die now. <laughs> yeah, it totally is. But you, like, you free, like, that frees Dakon from his servitude. Yep. It basically allows everyone else to live their own existence. Oh, sure. Uh, and I, yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you, you end up, you die, and then you wake up in hell and you grab an axe, and you walk into the fray. He just accepts his fate in the bed. Oh, it's such a good ending. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And that's it. No resolution. No happy ending. That's the resolution. Oh, sure. It is a resolution. It is the only that's proper resolution. resolution. Yeah. There is... <laughs> Imagine if that game ended any oh, other way. Oh, it'd be way. terrible. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh. So good. Yep. Like talked about like we've talked about the game for about ninety minutes now and we've skipped half of it. it we skipped way dense, more than half of it. Yeah. It's a dense thing. So ultimately the thing I like about this more than any other game I've ever played is how much it asks questions and doesn't necessarily give you answers. It just lets you ponder them. Yes. And it's I think I do- yeah. I think I tweeted something about that a while ago. Like many games, if they're about something, like in capital A, about they'll it'll be like, oh, this is this is a game about death, or this is a game about this. Whereas this lays its subject matters clearly on the table, but then never tells you the way to approach them. It says we're just going to explore these themes and ideas. And yeah, all of them are not only really open ended, but like the answers are murky and real as like real as you can get in this kind of realm, but. The abstraction mm-hmm. doesn't mean that the concrete, like, questions of what is good and what is evil and what does death mean to someone are, like, concrete questions. Like, those are fundamental personal questions. Yeah, and the game doesn't answer No, them. they give you a bunch of different viewpoints, they let you make up your own, and they just let you kind of ponder whether or not that's true by giving you constant examples of all of those different facets. Yes. Yeah. All the like by the time you get to the ward, every single side quest is thematically tying in with all these angles, mm-hmm. and every single conversation connects yeah. to the main themes of the game. It's it's really yeah, good. and none of it is like the solution to the puzzle box because there is no solution. No, which I I I'm really impressed with how because the game is essentially a mystery, right? The game is set up as a, you don't have any memory, you need to find out a thing, and it's a bunch of questions. Yep. And the way many stories would approach that is in Harping on the ooh, what happened and the how and the twist and stuff. This game allows uh, allows the story information to be revealed incredibly organically. You just find out stuff about yourself. It's never like, oh shit, this happened. The closest thing to that is the DNR stone. And even that, you get a bunch of hints and you kind of know what it is going mm-hmm. in. And uh, the fact that it avoids that falling into that trap is impressive and just... I don't think they can make this a game today. No. But I think the only thing that I think the game does prescriptively apply to itself is with each reveal, like, it's not really a big surprise, but each reveal feels increasingly sadder. Yes. Like, everything you find out only layers on the depths of how unfortunate everything is. Not necessarily unavoidable, because I don't think most of it is, but just how unfortunate and terrible and, like... Like it is built. Up, it is built up on regrets. Like it is just sad. Yeah, 
it's not unavoidable, but it's unchangeable mm-hmm. at this point. It's just, this is the reality that I'm in at this point, and all these things have happened, and I, I don't know what to do about it. And it's not, it's not quite guilt that you feel, even though you feel complicit, but it is just this general, like, helplessness in the face of, like, the ravages of reality in this world. Yeah, because you are complicit, it's you and you're benefiting off the things these past versions of you did, but also you're your own person. It never, it never says, like, for, it never does a Bioshock like, it was you all along, you're the bad guy moment. No. God, if it did that, it'd be the worst. Yeah. But it also doesn't <laughs> oh, do the, it also doesn't say that, hey, being a good person atones for all of the terrible things. It, no, it doesn't at all. Like, that ending is him, like, the, it doesn't say that his journey to undo it, uh, absolves him of his bad deeds. It is him accepting his responsibility. And, and starts to attack. Yeah, and things. all it is is like the road to realizing that you that he needs to take responsibility has left thousands of broken lives in its wake. <laughs> yeah, because it's not like the end of the, that game is his forgiveness. The end of that game is the start of his long punishment mm-hmm. and, the, and him accepting it. Yeah, and it's only him coming to the realization that he has to do that or how to do that. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. It's... It's so small, and it tackles a bunch of themes that games do attempt to tackle, because you know themes about bad people doing bad things. Video games are into that, mm-hmm. especially you know, yeah. Last the, of, your Last of Us, your Bioshock Infinite are essentially the same story. Yeah, but ham-fisted but, and prescriptivist <laughs> like, and terrible. The, compare the quote-unquote accepting responsibility ending of Bioshock Infinite to the way. Um, Planescape Tournament does everything it is just far and away in a different league I wish more games would attempt what this game does I think because you I'm going to be referencing things I tweeted about because uh, all my thoughts of this game are two weeks old and yours are two months old <laughs> um, I was talking about how it connected stuff like Hate Plus Yeah, I, f- I feel Hate Plus and Analog Hate Story are very similar games in terms of just letting you see the implications of people's choices? Yeah. In terms of approaching, um, like, approaching, like, quote-unquote bad people and th- terrible decisions with a empathy but uh, understandingness, like, not forgiving but understanding why people do these things in a way that seeks to explain and accept it rather than to use it for kind of indulgent storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... Uh, Christine Love Games are one of the best examples of that. Yeah, because that's what <laughs> I'm a person who plays Planescape's Torment and goes, "This is pretty similar to Christine Love Games." You're not wrong, <laughs> even though they are worlds apart in every other aspect. But in terms of giving you characters with morality and like that is murky and letting you decide how you feel about it, but not making that necessarily mm. the point. Yeah. Because murky morality in is often an excuse to just have shitty characters being shitty, yeah. and doesn't uh, add up to anything. Or if it does add up to anything, it's super prescriptive and not very helpful. Uh, whereas <laughs> this approaches that in a more honest manner. God, it's so good. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's it's also us baits. It's abnormal mapping bait. Oh, sure, it is the most existential long... <laughs> game that has ever existed. <laughs> Big long game about death. Yep. Oh. So good. Yeet. So good! Yep. Ruined us for like RPGs forever. Yeah. No, because now we just want to play every JRPG I've made. 
That's not true. That'll ruin us for RPGs for it's kind of true. It's kind of I would of like to play true. more CRPGs, but I don't know where to start. I would like to play some yeah. I, I I'll just wait for Pillars of Eternity, I think. Yes, yeah, that's not long away. Have you tried Mass Effect 3? No. Because I played <laughs> Mass Effect 1 and 2, and uh, that's it. I'm done. No more. You're going to play Mass Effect 3 one day. It's going to happen. I think that's true. It's, it's going to happen when Destiny and me... Or when Destiny plays Mass Effect and I go replay it. We're going to... It'll will happen. And then we could just talk about how sad we are that it's not, like, Planescape. <laughs> that's going to be us for every RPG in the future. Sure. Don't trust the skull. Okay, and that brings us to the last segment of this very long podcast now. I feel like I ran a marathon, Jackson. No, you don't. No, I don't. I'd be, like, breathing heavily and my side would hurt. I'd probably actually just be dead. I'm not really a runner. <laughs> Me neither. I feel I feel tired, though. How about that? I feel world-weary. You feel tormented? No, I actually am pretty happy, but I'm world-weary. <laughs> Doing all right. I can't talk. A minor amount of torment. So we're not going to do questions because, uh, well, A, we don't have any. You guys are dropping the ball. Well, we record this at a stupid time. Everyone's asleep. And and B, uh, we already went for like two hours. So you're getting plenty of podcast. Please do send in uh, your questions over the next week because we're going to be recording a cool soge. Yeah, we'll put out the call on Twitter, um, but you should ask us questions. You can email us at uh, abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. I'm at litrock, L-I-T-R-O-C-K at Twitter. Mm -hmm. I'm at tylea002, T-Y-L-E-A-002. And uh, yeah, next week's going to be a cool soge. We're going to have a special guest joining us. We are. Honorary third chair, Destiny Sturdivant, uh, of BadlandGirls.com will be joining us. We're gonna announce a dumb project along with the cool soge, so please check that out. We've actually got quite a few games to talk about, I feel like. We have so many games to, uh, I could just talk about Ninja Gaiden for hours, but I'm gonna save that for when you play that. Okay, well. I mean, we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit about it. Yeah, we will. Alright, and, uh, bunch of games. Um, and that project, it's gonna be, more RPG nonsense. How about that? That's your hint. Come back next time for more RPG nonsense. I, I, I always do. But next month's game club is what we need to talk about now. Yeah! See, remember that joke I made? Well, no. It's been two hours. My mind is blank. <laughs> I, I, it's Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. Right. We're playing Roller Coaster Tycoon 2 uh, because Jackson wanted to do that. Yeah, I'm I think, so excited. I think, he, I think he suggested a joke initially, and I'm that's like, "That's how oh, all yeah, my suggestions we? happen. That's how uh, Crash Bandicoot happened." Sure. Um, let's hope this goes better than Crash Bandicoot. Did. <laughs> Holy <laughs> Christ! <laughs> yeah, may that live in infamy. Um, Roller Coaster Tycoon Two is a PC game from 2001, I think. 2001, two. two. No, whatever, whatever. Early aughts. 
Um, you can pick it up on good old games. I'm going to be playing a little bit of Roller Coaster Tycoon 1 and 3 because this is really going to be the most time I've ever spent with this series. I've watched friends play 2 a lot, but I've never really sat down with it. As am I. I played 4 on mobile for 5 seconds. That's the worst game ever made. But you you have a lot of history with this game, right? Yeah. Okay, and we'll get, we'll get into that when we, yep. when we play it. Um, we're also doing... We're going to do... We're going to announce this. We're going to do a video competition... Oh god, we are, aren't we? So as part of this, because we're going to play through some of the scenarios and just kind of noodle around and talk about this and how it works and uh, I don't know, we'll figure out the format of this episode as we go through as, it. But... As it has no structured narrative, we are at a loss. But we'll find something. Yeah. We wanted to, we deliberately wanted to um, try games that were more open. But uh, we're also going to build a mean, like in the, whatever, the free play, whatever mode it is, I assume called something like that custom scenario mode okay in custom scenario mode we're going to build an, our own parks and we're going to shoot a video about said parks and then we're going to put them up and you can vote on which one's your favorite i already have an idea for my video oh, good because i don't <laughs> it's going to be ridiculous um, it's going to be live action the only rules that we have is a it needs to be edited in windows movie maker because that's all i've got i'm and just that's sad that we got. don't have original window i need those blue title cards with the aerial font and our theme parks have to be themed, like actually themed. <laughs> cool theme parks, he said. Yeah, but you can't just make six flags. Like... Seven flags. If you want to make, like, Ska Central or WWE Land, we can do that. <laughs> WWE Land! Yeah. I thought about doing that, and then I decided against it. What would you call any of the rides? All sorts of things. The Rock Bottom... The rock bottom. That's too Hulkamania. obvious. Again. Go deeper. No. The McMahon Cannon. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Tune in for that. Nonsense. The Triple G. The Triple G. <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> you are the worst. That's the best thing I've ever heard, though. Oh, you should do WWE. Like, oh, you've ruined it now. That's going to be a good time. We should, yeah, yeah, I'm excited for that. So those videos will be up sometime during the month, and uh, people can vote on them. Uh, we'll we'll throw that out on our Twitter when it happens. We shall, indeed. Uh, figure out how to make a poll, something like that. I don't know. It'll be dumb. But that's what we're doing. Um, sometime in the next month, we're going to actually put up a long schedule of what we've got coming in the next few months. Yep. I'm going to try to write Because I mean my... to do that. We wrote one out. Yes. We did. Um... Outside of that, Kosoge is next week. We're going to try to put some writing on the site soon. I think there might, hopefully by the time this is up, be a piece about Trash Panic. Okay, cool. And uh, I've been trying to do writing, but instead you can uh, can go to YouTube and search Abnormal Mapping and watch a whole lot of Let's Plays. I'm finishing up my Blackwell series, and I've got some extra things in the docket. Uh, Coming up is uh, 140, uh, Botanicula, The Undergarden... Octodad and Bioshock 2 because I've been recording like crazy. Yeah, I'm the one that needs to increase the writing. He's been holding down the video front. He's he's doing a great job. Watch them. They're good. Uh, people seem to enjoy them. I've been told I give good voice. You do. You have the good voice and the chill stuff, but I don't. Uh, I try to keep my videos really low-key, actually, because I, I think normally is... record them right after work. I'm kind of tired. I'm kind of grumpy. I use them as a means to relax. Yeah, I think it's smart. I can't... Because I can't do that. I'm really... I have to be on all the time and critical and stuff, whereas you're just... It's, I don't know, I'm, I'm impressed. You do good videos. You do good. Go watch some people. So yeah, if you want to hang out 
and watch me play some video games, I do that. I don't really like streaming is what I've discovered, so I'm just going to do videos instead. I like streaming. I mean, I we're going to do me. some streaming, but it's going to be two-person streaming, I think. Yeah. Almost exclusively, at least on my part. I know Jackson likes streaming way more than I do. You can talk to the people. The people are there. I don't want to talk to people. I want to, like, have moments to reflect and pontificate. <laughs> it tells you everything you need to know. Come back next time. Yep. Thanks for listening. Uh, send us an email. We've, we gave you that email address. Yeah, rate and review uh, on iTunes! <laughs> yes, please. Because I complain about it about every week. And Jackson doesn't care, but I care. Uh, if I got some ratings and reviews, we would read the reviews. <laughs> we, would. we would. We would thank you openly at this part of the podcast next month. Uh, it'd be great. And it would bring a smile to Matt's face. It's so rare that I'm happy. <laughs> you just said... Literally six minutes yeah, ago. I lied. <laughs> it's just a cover. So Jackson, what's your real answer? What can change the nature of a man? Planescape Torment. Pretty good answer. It's a pretty good answer. Pretty good answer. I think we're going to end on that. Twitter. Thanks, everybody. It's not fucking Twitter. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Next month. See y'all then. Bye. Bye.